This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. Oh, well, well done. Uh, do you know what? Um, we uh, took that right up to the line. We did. Didn't and I, we? I only just put my uh, headphones. Literally, on. literally, uh, Natalie has been fucking around with the database. Uh, I, I think it's pronounced data. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, yeah, and literally, I wanted a specific song uh, from uh, Alice Cooper that they failed to upload onto the database, and uh, <laughs> and uh, literally uh, moments to spare, and I mean moments. Uh, I'm literally by a moment, I mean seconds. Yeah. Uh, How long is a moment? A moment, I would say, is a second. So seconds to spare, and we we didn't have any to spare. In fact, I'd put my, my, my earmuffs on. I just put them on. Just got them now. After my, the fing- my finger was hovering over the uh, the jingle button. Yeah. The j- jingle, bu- j- jing- is it a jingle? It's a, it's not. It's a it's a it's a it's an eye tent. It's an eye tent. The eye tent button, jingle button, sounds like the sort of thing that Santa would have on his sleigh. Uh, but <laughs> the eye tent button, and uh, uh, you don't need to know what goes on behind the scenes, guys. Luckily for luckily for everyone out there, we're probably not going to need it for about half an hour. No, absolutely. <laughs> but um, but but literally, the clock was saying we got two seconds left. It was like watching Bond uh, dismantle a bomb. Uh, it was it was absolutely absolutely textbook. Uh, anyway, so uh, Natalie managed to put the song on. Uh, two seconds to spare, and uh, and just as I pressed on the ident, the door closed shut. Her leaving the studio, <laughs> so that we can. Like, get on with uh, like, producing like, another week of excellent content. Now on Spotify, Nat. Yeah, we're on Spotify. We're on Spotify. Spotify. So uh, make sure that when you're having your party uh, and uh, you know all of your guests have come along and they've Doing uploaded, they've uploaded their songs. Make sure that you uh, you leave enough time so that you can just uh, when it's on shuffle, play a whole two hours of fan <laughs> club. Uh, there are some songs. Uh, are the songs on Spotify. The songs aren't. Which on Spotify. episode would you recommend for a good party? Uh, the one for a good party. Um, 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 Ooh, mm. The trouble is, uh, I'm so egocentric. I'm struggling to remember any of the guests. <laughs> um, who who have we had on? Who's, who would you recommend? Who would have party? a party atmosphere? Um, Joel Domet probably. Joel Domet, yeah. Probably uh, get Joel Dom- the, the, the Joel e- Domet episode. Episode one. Start with episode one. Joel Domet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, work your way backwards to, yeah. to, to before we were airing. Uh, what a week. <laughs> um, what a week it's been, eh? What a week it's been. What a week. Uh, has it only been a week, Nat? It has only oh, been right, a week, so we're yeah. on Spotify, and uh, we've had a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are actually um, uh, listening to this show and thinking, do you know what? I'll go on iTunes and, and, and give it a, a review. And what they've been doing with that is they've been giving it a, a five-star review. Uh, but not leaving a comment. Uh, if you do, uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for that. I think it's, it's beneath us. I think it's tacky. It's the sort of thing Brett Goldstein would do on his podcast. <laughs> but if, um, if uh, I, I imagine there are other people that do it on their podcasts, but uh, we don't care. hit the like button and subscribe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I am uh, 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 mattresses dot com. That's a uh, game podcast. Yeah. Lots of mattress adverts. Hey, this is a whole new way of delivering food. 
<laughs> Straight to your mouth. <laughs> I just click an app, and a man turns up on my doorstep and shoves it right in my mouth. <laughs> do, 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 doorstep. <laughs> doorstop food. It's a whole new way of fucking. <laughs> <laughs> the sort of thing that you had to be sponsored by. Yes. Um, have we got a sponsor? Uh, have we got a sponsor? Um, no, I think our fans are our sponsors. That's Fan Club. Yeah, that's Fan Club. Uh, the, our fans uh, uh, have given us our mugs. Yes, we have, have a lovely uh, mug. Given us I know it's as well because they are. It is still that same mug. But last week, I think we were going to be promised official Fubar mugs. Yeah, they we? said, "Oh, look, uh, if it's that, if, 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 it, if it only takes like one or two weeks for a fan to make a mug for us, yeah, yeah, then uh, it'll probably, sure they could turn it probably they could turn it around in a couple of days. Mm. The whole of Fubar, but no, still, they have been ordered. Yeah, but they're not fucking here, are they? And to be fair, I don't even use a mug, so we're only looking for one mug that has gnat on it. You haven't even had the decency of getting a sharpie and just writing it on a white mug. I think I'm absolutely horrified by what's going on behind the scenes here. But, you know, keep it light. Keep it light. Uh, but so, yeah, so, uh, so if you, yeah, punch, punch the subscribe button, uh, hit that like, and r ring that bell for uh, notifications uh, yes. if we were on YouTube, but we're not. Um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for, thanks for listening. They, 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 they give us, they mug us, they feed us, and they clothe us. They don't mug us off. And they don't, you know... Um, they mug us on. Ooh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Watch this face. <laughs> What's this face? We're having faces pulled at us oh, through the window. Uh, so anyway, uh, th th another week, another, 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 oh, another um, uh, word has left my brain. <laughs> uh, but that's what happens as It's been a busy age. week for you, though, Nathan. I have had a very busy week, yes. You've done your show. A Halloween show at the Pleasant. I, I saw it on Saturday. It's very good. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I remember when I went to see your show. Uh, I unprompted talked about it for fifteen minutes. Okay, sure. So it but, starts. Um, <laughs> what I like about this show is that uh, that uh, you kind of like uh, you, the listeners, are sort of like growing with us, aren't you? So uh, all last year, all this year, we went through you writing your show and putting your show together, and then doing Edinburgh all the way to the, mm -hmm. the eventual point of me seeing it and giving you my opinion and then we That's moved the end on point, wasn't it, then we the moved show, really. on and we never mentioned it again because i finally gave it the thumbs up yeah right? that's that's the at the end of the film of that show yeah it would be you telling me about it on the radio that's the freeze frame <laughs> it, no it wouldn't even be the freeze frame the freeze frame would be you doing the show and then it would fade to black and then there'd be a photo of me uh, uh, the real me not the actor that plays me um uh, um, who could that be? Um, who would play you in a film? Yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah, okay, we'll have Tom <laughs> Hardy. He's there. Tom Hardy. It'll be a freeze, perhaps, a, perhaps a, a, like a, a succession of uh, Polaroids, like a National Lampoon's Vacation movie or something, with with uh, you know a song playing over it. Yeah, sure, but not National Lampoon's because that would mean that I would be murdered in Vietnam by my own troops. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but um, if it was so t t t Tom Hardy has uh, has been me, yeah. right? And then uh, at the end it would be a freeze frame, and then the real me would turn up, yeah. Uh, and it would just be like a Polaroid of me, you know, saying something pos positive, right? The freeze frame would be uh, me clapping, I think, in 
your in the audience of your show. Yeah. So the film is all about your show, but the final feature would be me, Tom Hardy, clapping, <laughs> clapping the show on my own, looking around me as if why haven't more people? Why, why shown aren't up? more people clapping? <laughs> <laughs> why, why is no one else clapping? And then there'd be a Polaroid of, of, of me, the real me, Nick Helm, uh, and next to it there'd be a caption saying, "That week, Nick Helm." <laughs> the real Nick Helm. Helm. <laughs> by his own truth. <laughs> There's a bit of that is a sort of, that ending of I like I like the ending of Animal House. But that bit at the end when it does it is always a bit oh, really dark. Oh it's well, gone it's gone a bit bleak. Yeah, but that's how I feel about um uh, old school. I it's, haven't seen old school. Old school, it's like um so you've got uh, Vince, uh, this, is, this is a massive spoiler for old school. <laughs> you've not seen old I've school. not seen it. Uh, it's got Will Ferrell, uh, Vince Vaughn and Luke Wilson go back to college, right? And when they go back to college, the guys that they used to bully when they were at college, because they were bullies, mm-hmm. right? The guy that they used to bully uh, is Jeremy Piven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he has become a dean, right? And he's the real joy killer. And he goes around uh, stopping all of their fun, right? Which is basically all of their fun is uh, sleeping with uh, underage women and uh, having frat parties, right? Uh, and that's what the dean is basically trying to stop. And they used to bully him, right? They bullied him to the point that he's all fucked <laughs> up, right? Um, and that's what the most, most of the film is about. And then uh, also Luke Wilson fancies a woman who's got a boyfriend who um, cheats on her. And then uh, the film finishes and everyone's like, hey, that's great. And then there's the, this extra bit at the end of the film where the... Oi, uh, uh, oi, I'm over here. Um, <laughs> where, stop tweeting, stop writing, stop writing, right? Um, and then the end of the film is that um, uh, uh, you've got the boyfriend who's been cheating on the, on the main love interest in the film. He's driving his car down the road uh, and, uh, and he's listening to Whitesnake, Here I Go Again on My Own. And Jeremy Piven is fly fishing in a lake or, or in, a, in a river. And um, uh, the guy, I think he like, his cigarette drops out of his mouth or something and he goes to pick it up. Uh, he loses control of his car. He goes off a bridge, lands on Jeremy Piven and he explodes and dies. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, Jeremy. It's a bit much. He was, it, was, it's, it leaves such a horrible taste in your mouth where you go, they bullied him and he dies in a horrible fiery yeah. explosion. It should be like one of them slips over some dog shit or something and be like, <laughs> oh, you. Yeah, right. That's sort of the, right. the revenge of it. Not yeah, <laughs> kind of it's, die that, that. it's just this really horrible fiery. And then to cut to like Jeremy Piven's mum and some the, the coroner saying, I don't think you want to see him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, logically, that's how it really should. <laughs> it's like horrible. Just I, but keeps escalating. Because I, 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 I kind of, casket. I almost like old school, and then uh, and then every time I think, because I love Luke Wilson. Um, I love Luke Wilson. I, I love Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson. Mm. Um, uh, Owen Wilson for his brains and his heart, and Luke Wilson for his face and his shoulders. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I love those Wilson boys. And Andrew Wilson is... Uh, no, I don't love Andrew Wilson. I don't know Andrew Wilson. Andrew Wilson is their third brother who works on the art department of a lot of films, and um, he is also... I think he is uh, one of Hansel's um, trainers in Zoolander uh. when they're doing the dance-off, and he's also... Um, oh, he's the coach in Rushmore. Right. Okay, that's nice. So you would know him if you've seen him. I think um, uh, I think he's in Idiocracy as well, uh, but he's in he's in a few of their films. Um, uh, but uh, it's not him. I love Luke Wilson. I will watch anything with Luke Wilson in. Um, we've done eleven minutes and we've still not talked about anything that we've done. I tell you what else we haven't done. 
This is Fan Club. <laughs> Hello, my name's Nick Helm. And my name's Nathaniel Redcalf. And you're listening to Fan, fan Club. Club. First rule of Fan Club is... Tell your friends about Fan Club. Second rule of Fan Club is... Please, please for the love of God, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yeah, and uh, punch that like button, hit that subscribe. We're now on Spotify. <laughs> Puss on shuffle, have a dance. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, put your dancing shoes on and put on Fan Club. <laughs> put on two hours of chat. Don't worry, it's actually probably more like an hour and 45 minutes because the songs have been cut. Yes. Um, so... Um, what have you been up to this week? Uh, well, I have been on Halloween Day itself. Oh, it's been Halloween it's this been week. Halloween. I love Halloween. Uh, you came to see I Think You Stink. You were just about to tell me how great it was. Again. It was. It was great. I came to see your show. I Think You Stink, and I thought it was excellent, Nick. And I was. I had all kinds of ideas and moments while I was in there. I thought you were brilliant. Yes. I thought the cast was brilliant. Yes. And I thought they were all stars in the making. Yes. And I think it's as I was saying here. I think it's sort of. A telling that when people come and see a show, which is like a Nick Helm presents, not not like Wes Craven presents, very much Nick Helm at the forefront. But I thought you were quite generous with other people, and you give everyone has their own song and yes. their own moment to shine. Yes, and they do shine. That's yes. what I thought. Yeah. And I thought, well, it must be a difficult thing to do because people aren't there to see this. There, see you. Yours, yours is the name on the billboard. Mm. And yeah, I thought it was nice that these people got these big. Moments. Yes. Yes. And the other thing is, I wrote it and directed it, so I'm all over it. Um, yeah, uh, that's all I want in that. Now, what have you been up to this <laughs> year? <laughs> uh, thank you for hitting my subscribe button. <laughs> what, are you, uh, what have you been up to? Halloween week. I love, yeah. I uh, love well, Sunday what week. I do for Halloween, which I've done for the past three years, is I'm a big Hammer Horror fan, but there's loads of Hammer films, right? Loads of them. And I'm very familiar, have been since I was a kid, with all the big ones, and I've watched lots of them. So I now I'll take it upon myself to try and watch a Hammer horror movie that I've never seen before. Right. So this year I watched one called The Kiss of the Vampire, which is very good. Who's very, in that? It's got no, it's not one with any of the big stars. It's it's very starlight, but it's a very lush, sort of early expensive, one of the Universal Hammers. So it's oh, sort I didn't of, know um, Universal did Hammer. Yeah, well, they did the initially. They were the kind of people that sort of saved Universal. Universal were uh, having done the sort of monster cycle. The in, Universal uh, did the monsters. I always thought that Hammer was like a British answer to the American oh, it was. monsters. It was, but they did after they did uh, Curse of Frankenstein, which is the first Hammer Frankenstein, the first sort of proper Hammer horror. Gothic horror. And they started off big budget, did they? And then they no, sort they, of declined. No, they sort of they started off quite low. They're always quite low budget, but they sort of use their budgets very well in the early days, especially. Or they really they're all filmed in this one big house called Bray Studios, which is like this big house right. in the late fifties and early sixties. And they just redress all the rooms in this house. For all the all the all the early hammers are all they're all basically all the sets are the same. You right. can see the same sort of living rooms <clears throat> and the same. So you use this big kind of country house to film them all in, but they just redress them for every film. Oh, wow. But, so they're really nice and they're quite familiar and cosy in a funny way, yeah. except they're all like, this time it's Dracula's hallway, or this sure, time it's right. like... I've never really got into Hammer. I've bought a box set recently and I'm like forcing myself, but it feels like, like the Universal Monsters, I just find like that's like... That's easy. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're so beautiful to look at, and I love all the black and white stuff. And I just think, yeah, yeah. and I think that they're so iconic as well. And I get real, um, I mean, a real sense of excitement seeing stuff like The Wolfman, and you go, oh, this is oh, it's brilliant. It's so like classic and ingrained in uh, sort of um, cinema, you know, like um, 
I watched a John Landis film this week that I'll talk about, but um, uh, there's all these clips from kind of like um, uh, Dracula, and there was like Hammer clips as well. In, in uh, I watched Innocent Blood. Oh, I don't know that. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, th- so he puts loads of clips from also American Woman from London. You know, he had like Wolf yeah, yeah. clips and stuff like that. And I just and I love those films. But with Hammer, I always found I don't like the look of the blood. It looks like poster paint, and I just think and some of it's really like. Um, uh, you know like the special effects at the end of it, the original Evil Dead yes yeah and it's really like icky like it makes you feel sick well that's it I think they're, they're, the, the Dracula effects when he gets killed are, like they make me feel sick well I think that that's kind of it that they're supposed certainly at the time they were sort of super gory that was yeah. that was way beyond what anyone else was doing yeah and the idea that they were essentially the big thing they did was put them in colour so a lot of the at the time Hammer was also making lots of dramas or sort of psychological dramas and they're in black and white because they're meant to be the black and white for Hammer almost represents real life <laughs> whereas the um, uh, the colour ones are meant to represent sort of super super unreal and and so the reds are the reds are super red to the point where they're not even red they're like orange or, yeah right so they're, so they're meant to look almost sickly and gory and over the top but uh, but now I think they look quite quaint in comparison with lots of other things because they're um, because so much else has come since so now they look quite classic except they've got this kind of gore in them or what would what would be considered gore then but was just blood essentially. No, but i think that they are gory but they're gory in, like when dracula's hand is decomposing and yes. it's just like it's just like Ugh, yeah you know and i'm like a double r bastard mm. uh, <laughs> still can't uh, bring myself to watch the hostile movies but uh, who can Building, building up to it. And, but, no, I don't think I. I think I might live my life without seeing them. Well, I'm, you know, that's it. Because I feel like I really like horror movies. But what I actually like, I really like that kind of classical era more than anything. That's what I find so fucking frustrating about uh, the the Mummy remake, but also the Brendan Fraser Mummy films, where they were just like, we won't make a horror film. It's just like, do you know what? Even the original Mummy uh, wasn't that great. The Boris Karloff yes. one. It wasn't. It wasn't that great. It's like um, the sequels. They learnt from the sequels what it was. He's only a mummy for like 30 seconds at the beginning of the film, and then the rest of it, he's Boris Karloff with the like ageing makeup. Mm. And you kind of like go, this film as a horror film is ripe for a big budget um, horror remake. Mm-hmm. And it's like when they did Dracula, when they did Dracula uh, Untold. Oh, yeah. It's like they've made it into an action film. You go, just make a horror, just make an actual. I mean, you go, oh, what, another remake of Dracula? It's just like, yeah, but even Francis Ford Coppola's, at least he was trying to make a horror film, but he made like this art house weird film. Just do it once, right, and then we'll move on. And the reason why you keep having to remake these films is because you've, you keep fucking them up and not doing them. Um, and so, like, th- so when you look at all of the original universals, probably don't remake Frankenstein and uh, Bride of Frankenstein because uh, they absolutely nailed Bound it with it. those ones. Uh, and it's so iconic that there'll never be another Frankenstein uh, design that will beat the yeah, original yeah. Boris Karloff one. And then, um, but Dracula, loads of room for improvement on that. Uh, on that, although the performance, Bela Lugosi's performance of that was like classic. And I think that's why probably Hammer um, did uh, Christopher Lee did so well with the part. He just does because, it completely different. Because he does it completely different, but also he's equally as iconic as um, mm. as uh, Bela Lugosi. And then when you look at, and I guess that's why their Mummy films was so big as well, with Christopher Lee being the Mummy. Where you go and go, yeah, yeah, because the Mummy original ones were rubbish. So when they do the Tom Cruise one, and it's not a horror film. 
it's an action adventure romp and you just a like, comedy romp and you go like why why have you done this well i think that's, i'm sure we talked about it before but that's the problem with that dark universe thing was that they start this universe where they're going to use these universal horror characters but they, what they're trying to do is marvel yeah. they're trying to do marvel movies in a shared universe so they make these horror icons into sort of superheroes yeah. so he's not a mummy he's a he's sort of got powers of a mummy but he's sort of a good guy yeah. Exactly. That's well, that's the how they set it up by the end. And yeah. You're just like I don't want to watch that. Yeah. And why has the mummy got f- uh, four pupils in per eye? Or whatever? do you know what I mean? It's just like, what's that got to do with anything? Uh, it's like you, they threw special effects in places where you didn't need it, and then you just oh, it's rubbish. And then the Brendan Fraser ones. I mean, I really, I, I really enjoyed the first one when I saw it at the cinema. But it's Indiana Jones. It's Indiana Jones. Yeah. And you go, uh, and do you know what would be really good? Indiana Jones with horror. I yes, like a yeah. horror Indiana Jones. Um, but they didn't do that. They did Indiana Jones with a completely sort of like it was there was no fear mm. and jeopardy or anything in the whole film. But there was also that stuff in the eighties. You did have that sort of PG thirteen horror. You see, you have like Gremlins and Poltergeist and those kind of things. Gremlins where they're is still, genuinely fucking scary. Yeah, so and you Poltergeist can do it. Is fucking scary. You can do a sort of uh, a big sort of a horror franchise which is for all ages. It just doesn't have to be, you know, I guess a, a little bit toned down, gory or. You know, the, you do get those things like there's certain shock moments in lots of those kind of PG 80s movies. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like you couldn't do something similar now. I guess they tried to do that with it. Um, did you see it? No, I didn't see it. It was, um, but, the, but the thing that they did with it was just kind of like they were all, they, yeah, it was almost really scary, but they would fuck it up at the last. I know, I'm, I'm still finding it so surprising with how scary people find. Uh, the, the, the last one that they made because you go um, there's a bit when they're watching a projector uh, they're, they're watching the clown uh, they're watching um, they're projecting an old home movie on a wall and uh, and it's a woman and her hair is blowing and it's black and white and it's all like uh, going it's like a flicker book right so it's like flick 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 and um uh, and her hair is blown across her face and then every so often you see like a tiny little glimpse of uh, under the hair it's actually the clown's face and it's like oh that's creepy and then uh, and then it is the clown uh, and uh, the clown is on the screen and then the clown uh, comes out of the screen and he's a 50 foot clown that's like coming out of the screen it's all CGI and you go whoa 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 it was really scary when there were like glimpses of it mm. but now <clears throat> You've shown the clown. It's all about the... We all know what the clown looks like. It's the clown for the whole thing. <clears throat> if you, do, you know, there's a bit where um, they're flicking through a book and then you think you've glimpsed the picture of the clown and you go, have I just seen that? And then they just show you the picture and you go, yeah, I did just see that. That's what I did see, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like... Um, it was like... It was almost good. It was almost scary and then it was heavy-handed mm. and it's kind of like... Um, and I find it really weird in that film as well where... Um, they did a strange things with it because uh, we've obviously got the same nostalgia for the 80s as in the 80s they had for the 50s and so the stranger things they do with it I think the opening shot is he's got like uh, the kid's got like a Gremlins poster and a Beetlejuice poster on his wall and then at the cinema they're showing uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and you go yeah Nightmare on Elm Street 3 about um, a dream <laughs> a dream monster that goes around killing uh, killing the young yeah, yeah, that's basically what St- Stephen King stole it off. He was just off his face on coke, and he went, <laughs> "Freddy Krueger, I'll do one of them." And then he wrote, and then he wrote a, what a, th- a nine thousand page book <laughs> off his face um, <clears throat> in the eighties. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, um, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I've, I've gone back and I've watched the Tim Curry yet, and you go, yeah, that's. Uh, Tim Curry is great in it, and the rest of the film is not good. It feels like it's almost like it. I, I preferred that first half of it when they're kids and when they get to adults. I just think they're all like kind of bad wigs and things, isn't that? Yeah, just but it's. It, but it is. Uh, it flashes back and forward. I think. Um, oh, I thought the first episode is almost like you get most of it's just flashback, isn't it? I think the book is the either the book flashes back and forward. And um, uh, but that's what was weird about the remake when they've split it in half and they've gone yeah but it's they've done the kids now and now they're going to do the adults and actually what happens is they flick back and forward um, and so the second half you haven't got like the kids to kind of like rely on having not seen this <laughs> remake but I can understand when you're saying about something comes up and it's fifty foot high that automatically would take me out of it and be well, like... It's just like, it, it's just like oh, something comes out of a painting. You go, oh, and then you go, oh, it's just a CGI. It, like all of mm. the bad, all of the threats are CGI, clearly CGI. Yeah. And you go, well, they're not even, they're not even in the same room as a thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you kind of like glimpse like Christopher Lee's hand, you know, through a series of, uh, of dissolves, like visual dissolves where they're kind of like... Um, replacing his real hand for kind of like a prop hand that melts and stuff. The bit like. I like about that. I mean, that that's scene. real though. Yeah. And you're watching that, and that and that has an actual effect on me where I feel. Ugh. I think what makes that a bit uh, horrible is the fact you see his hand dissolve to the fact where it's bone, and then it cuts back to his face, which is still Christopher Lee's face, which is suggesting that he's experiencing this thing with his hand. Yeah. Essentially melting and dissolving. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, so I watched um, uh, Innocent Blood this week. I don't know um, Innocent Blood. Oh, I've seen it. I, I watched it um, one one New Year's Eve. I didn't get invited out by any of my friends. <laughs> and I went to uh, Blockbuster and I watched... Um, my family went out as well. So I was basically... Home alone. I was home <gasps> alone. And I watched Fright Night 2 and Innocent Blood. This was... Um, uh, 2017. He's in a blood. Seems reasonable to me. Seems, seems plausible. You didn't even bat nah. an <laughs> Seems um, totally plausible. Um, it was. Uh, I think it was like 19, uh, maybe 1995, 96. And I watched uh, Innocent Blood and um, Fright Night Two. Fright Night Two, terrible film. Innocent Blood. I haven't seen it since then. It's got this fucking theme tune though. It's got this piece of music that I've been singing in my head for, what, 20 mm -hmm. years. It's just like... Innocent Blood is basically a, a John Landis horror comedy. But it's not... I don't think it's very funny. But it's like a John Landis horror comedy where he's sort of attempting to do the same thing for werewolves, uh, for vampires as what he did for werewolves with American Werewolf in London. Oh, and is it from 95? Is it a mid-90s film? I think it was 91. It's got the... 91, 92. It's got um, the woman from... Um, Oh, I can't remember what. Um, nice too. Well, what's the what's the lead actress called? She was in Nikita. Um, oh, Bridget Fonda. Uh, and Paralord. Oh, the, uh, the French. original, the actual oh, lead uh, best song. Uh, Stop talking to us, please. Uh, sorry, uh, listeners, uh, we've got a lot of noise going on in our headphones. Um, <laughs> so uh, yes, yeah, so it's got Anne Paralord in it, and it's got um, uh, this is my favourite. It's got. Uh, Anthony Lapaglia oh, yeah. and Robert Lagia <laughs> and uh, 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 Lapaglia and Logia. This film has absolutely passed me by. Uh, what a weird thing. Robert Logia. So basically, what it is is um, they're in New York. It's, uh, the, when it got released overseas, um, they've changed the name to A French Vampire in America. Right, okay. And apparently John Landis got really pissed off. But it's got like cameos. It's got cameos from uh, Sam Raimi, Frank Oz, and fucking Dario Argento. 
And it was just like, there's this bit when Damio Argento's there, and I'm just like going, that's not Damio Argento. (laughs) And the theme tune, so basically, it's set in America. There's a French vampire that's uh, this beautiful, uh, uh, and she's good, she's a good, uh, uh, she's a good vampire, she's beautiful, and um, uh, uh, and she only, um, uh, she only preys on bad people. And uh, she... There's all, there's all the mafia and all these gangsters, and th- th- and it starts off and it's really kind of violent and unpleasant, and um, yeah, and uh, Robert Loggia or Logia is the um, uh, I always think it's funny Antonio Paglia and Robert Loggia, and it was <laughs> like uh, we've got Roy Scheider, Rod Steiger, and Rob Schneider in <laughs> Too Many Ciders. <laughs> It's like you got Steiger, Scheider, and Snyder together at last with Maria Shriver. Um, so you got Robert Lowe here and Anthony Lepard here <laughs> in Innocent Blood. And so it was, uh, so, um, so we were watching fucking, so she accidentally, uh, she tries to kill Robert Loggia by biting his neck, and he—he's like the nice guy. He's like the old guy in Big. Yeah, I know him. He does the piano uh, dance, um, and uh, I fucking love that guy. And uh, and he's so good in this film. Um, and basically, he becomes a vampire, and the plot. And Don Rickles is in it as his kind of like uh, money guy, and Don Rickles has this amazing death. Uh, uh, and basically, Anthony pa- uh, no uh, Robert Loggia <laughs> goes around. Uh, Biting all the rest of his mafia lot, and they become like uh, vampire uh, gangsters. It's a really cool film. There's some really good bits in it. It's not perfect, and it's obviously nowhere near as good as American Wealth in London. But um, it's kind of like it's much better than Vampire in Brooklyn. Mm. Which I mean, how's it? How, how's it compared to Memoirs of the Invisible Man? Um, Memoirs of the Invisible Man. I can't. I've never sat all the way through. <laughs> I can't. I can't. But that's um, that's Carpenter, isn't it? That's John Carpenter. Yeah. It's not a good film. Um, but th- this is great, and th- and it's got a really unique look for all the vampires. And when they um, when they uh, burn up and die, they, they it's just incredible. It's just like I'm, I've got it on Blu-ray. I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. It is it meant to be quite comic as well? Is it meant to be quite funny? I think it's meant. There is like it's subtle humour, and I would say that in American Way of London, when it's funny, it's funny, and when it's not, it's scary. Yeah. And when it's scary, it's scary. But with this, um, it's kind of like it's not a perfect film. Um, and it's not particularly funny, but there is kind of like a light air to it. Yeah, but then when it's violent, it's really fucking violent. And um, yeah, it's just it's a good, it's, and it's got some real good gore effects and stuff in it. So that was innocent. So it's well. probably what John Landis made like after coming to America then or something. Yeah, it would have been around that time. Wow. So uh, yeah, 1992. He would have done it what just before the Stupids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, and, and several years before Blues Brothers. He's yeah. really trod that ground, doesn't he, then, between horror and comedy? Well, he was trying to get a... Um, yeah, well, he did Thriller. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, he, yeah. and he worked with Rick Baker. And, uh, and I mean, he's 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 famous for, like, doing iconic films, really, mm. John Landis's. I mean, he did uh, he did Animal House, mm-hmm. and he did American Werewolf, and London, he did Blues Brothers. And they're all very... You know, each of those films were iconic for their own, for their own things. Yeah. And then he did Thriller, and, yeah, he's... Um, uh, I, I think he's really underrated. I saw him talk at the BFI. Um, he's like one of them people that like had, had just had hit after hit after mm. hit, and then also uh, uh, Eddie Murphy coming to America. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, and then Beverly Hills Cop Three, which we don't talk <laughs> about. But um, but I really liked Beverly Hills Cop Three when it first came out. Um, 
But um, yeah, he, I saw him do a talk at the BFI, and he was just fascinating. Yeah, just, yeah. Now yeah, every he, time I see him interviewed, I like him a lot. He loves horror. He's got an amazing sense of humour, and he brought, he brought out a book called Monsters, and uh, and it's just a really good, uh, really good book that sits on my bookshelf unopened. Uh, and <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's just as famous for horror as comedy, really, which is an interesting kind of like thing to bridge. And it's a really good film. Um, well, it's, it's, it's anyway. The theme tune just goes, um, and it's this. It's, I watched a documentary about um, how. John Williams does music scores this week, and uh, he uses themes, and uh, and it's and what I really you know he obviously he uses themes, but when you what's amazing about John Williams's Star Wars scores is that um, each character has a different thing, and uh, when there's multiple characters on screen, he does like blends of uh, all of their themes, and then you have like stuff like Jewel of Fates, but then uh, you listen to like. Um, you look at the twin sons, uh, Luke looking at the twin sons on Tatooine in that first film, and then you take the music out of it, and you go, oh my God, it brings, it brings so much emotion to it. Uh, and then when you listen to uh, Innocent Blood, uh, it's basically got uh, this bit that goes, da, 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 and you go, yeah. And they play it over and over again <laughs> for the entire film. And that is the score. And you go, it's a totally different approach to it where you've got like, we basically got a theme. We've got a little bit of a theme there. And we're just going to repeat it over and over again. And you get that so much with these. And also looking at John Carpenter. I mean, what, this week I watched Escape from L.A., The Ward and Ghosts of Mars. All awful. <laughs> the, I, mean, the, I mean, talk about how much I love or we love John Carpenter. Those three are fucking terrible films. Um, the Ward was like his last film. I haven't seen The Ward. I it was the of... least bad of the lot, actually. Okay. But Ghosts of Mars is fucking unwatchable. I and... don't know. I've got. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right, Ghosts of Mars. Well, no, even because Matthew Holness was talking about it last week and how the you know, and even if you're looking at it from the point of view that there's loads of the lost, uh, the lost trades and arts of cinema where you got like miniatures and models and. And, and and sets and costumes mm-hmm. and makeup and all of that and now it would just be special. Even when you're looking at that, that gets old pretty fucking fast. <laughs> it's a fucking atrocious film. It's a matriarchy in that film, isn't it? You meant it's meant to be that it's not. It's sort of subtly done, but it's meant to be that the women are kind of the are sort of in charge and that the male character are kind of secondary. Natasha Henstridge, mm. Henstridge, Henstridge. Mm. Um, she's uh, she really. She, I mean, it's not that subtle. She's really like the. The person in charge, mm. and then Ice Cube's kind of like her sidekick and all that. It's um, yeah, it's really it's just a, like another remake of Rio Bravo, where he's done Assault from Police in Thirteen. Um, uh, he did uh, Prince of Darkness, I suppose. Prince of well. Darkness. Uh, he did uh, the thing. Uh, is the thing the thing isn't really, but his yeah. guy's locked up. Uh, but it's like a thing that he kind of like he comes back to over and over again. And then he's done um, uh, uh, Ghosts Ghost of Mars, and then um, yeah, Escape from LA is fucking it's awful. And I, the only bit I really liked about it was the basketball scene, and I watched that, and it's shit. <laughs> and the ward is starts off okay, and you think this could be alright. Um, is it more traditional horror? Does it feel the like... Ward, it feels like... It, uh, it doesn't feel like... It feels like anyone could have made it. That's what I wondered, yeah. Um, uh, and, it's, and it sort of like falls apart and there's too much CGI and stuff in it at the end. But, um, but you look at a John Carpenter theme and that is like he's written a theme tune and then uh, he re- 
repeats it over and over again in the film. And it's not kind of, when you look, and I love John Carpenter, but when you compare John Carpenter to John Williams, it's kind of like there's no, John Williams is doing a completely different thing. Um, Oh, and I was going to say, isn't John Williams, didn't he say that the Superman theme came about because it's Superman? Yeah, I imagine that's right. So they just come in like, that's how they start. They go, what's it called? They go, Star Wars. You go, Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. And then there's also Alan Silvestri, and you go, back to the future. There's... Predator, predator, <laughs> predator. That's how they all work. <laughs> That's how they all work. Um, but, um, so I went to see the Halloween, the new Halloween film on, yes, on yes. my Halloween day. Um, uh, I went to sit by myself. Were uh, you scared? Spooked? Yeah, I thought it was really fucking scary. And the, and John Williams, uh, John Williams is, does the score on that, and he's expanded on it. John Carpenter. John Carpenter does the score on that. Imagine John Williams. John Williams doing it. Halloween. I've done it. Um, Nailed it. So, uh, yeah, John John Carpenter's uh, score on that is really good. The film, I thought the I thought it was good. I I enjoyed it as much as, and I think I went to see Halloween H two O on Halloween twenty years ago. Um. Oh and God, that's terrifying! Fucking terrifying, right? <laughs> I was, what do you mean? Was, what do you mean twenty years ago? I was seventeen, and uh, my sister was at John Moore's University in Liverpool, and I went up to visit her for a birthday, and then we went to the cinema CH2O in the day, and then we had a party in the evening. Um, yeah, do it in the day. Get the film out of the way in the day, and then Less scary. Then have a party in the evening. Um, no, I mean, if, if, it's not because you get you, you come out of the cinema, you go home to your empty flat that's filled with shadows and. <laughs> Uh, you, there's, a, there's a masked knife wielding maniac behind every uh, column I've got some columns in my uh, in my flat a couple of columns <laughs> the nice thing about kids now with parties is they can put on the Spotify slap on a bit of fan club for two hours and it gets the party going yeah maybe we uh, didn't have that 20 maybe, years ago maybe the ultimate uh, the ultimate monster mash uh, mega mix would be uh, something like uh, Thriller yeah yeah uh, Two hours of fan club and then the monster mash. Lovely stuff. Lovely. That's your uh, Halloween party of course, sorted. David Essex's cover version of Ghostbusters. Of course, to end. Um, oh, I think I've been sly. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like John Kearns doing it. <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really scary. Uh, it was scary in the right places. It was brutal in the right places. Michael Myers is fucking terrifying again. Uh, there's, and I thought what they did really well was um, all of the victims have at least one moment that humanises them and, and gives them a moment of levity where you go, oh, I like that guy. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get killed. And everyone gets that. And there's some really weird characters that you wouldn't get in, uh, that you wouldn't get in, um, in like a, a slasher film. Like there's a dad and he was, uh, he's putting... He's 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 making like breakfast or he's making his lunch or something, and he goes, "Oh, I got peanut butter on my penis," <laughs> <laughs> because he gets it down the front of his pants, right, and uh, and uh, his trousers, sorry, and uh, 
And, and you go, where did that come from? And it's just like this funny little moment where you've got this silly man that's in this film. He's likeable, but it's sort of like you go, yeah, I know dad's like that. Mm. And, um, yeah, I just think it's... I just Isn't it Danny McBride? He's Danny right, McBride wrote, wrote it with uh, two other people, but the director, David Gordon Green. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and uh, didn't they do Your Highness? Yes, they did. Yeah. Fucking hell, I loved Your Highness, but no one likes <laughs> Your Highness, but I loved it. I saw it twice at the cinema. I, I paid 30 quid to see it. I was really up for it. And I didn't like it. What, Your Highness? Mm, oh, I, I was really it. up for the idea of it. I really loved it. But, um, yeah, but I've, I've not really revisited it. Though. But um, I thought it was a, f- a funny idea. Um, yeah, but so the team behind Your Highness have uh, rebooted <laughs> John Carpenter's <laughs> Halloween. And, it's yeah, it's really good. And I think that those moments of levity uh, kind of really kind of... Um, mm. When they're all just cunts being cunts and then they all get killed by a cunt, it's like, uh, you know, who gives a shit? But when it's kind of like you've got these really kind of like... And also not in like Devil's Rejects way where the victims are absolutely brutalised and uh, and it's sort of... It's like it's pornographic the way that they're treated and then it's all kind of about celebrating the uh, celebrating the killers do you know what I mean hmm. sort of like he glorifies it all I liked um, I liked Rob Zombie's Halloween though I think now it's become unpopular to say that I liked it a lot oh god I thought it was fucking awful I liked it I liked I the first one the second one I think fucking pointless unravelled a bit well, I don't want to see I don't want to see him as like a kid that's kind of collecting roadkill and and, <laughs> and then he grows up to Tyler, to be Tyler Maine and then then they get half through the film they realise oh we should probably just remake the original uh, in, in half the time and take out all the te- it's just it's terrible um, it's yeah it's, it, I watched a, I watched a, a little YouTube film about Rob Zombie's approach to Halloween and he spent years leading up to making Halloween say and remakes are for absolute um, a, a, like cash grabs and uh there's no dignity in making remakes and why would anyone make a remake? And then they announced, oh, Rob Zombie's making a Halloween remake. And he goes, yeah, I think that, you know, the original Halloween's not perfect and we can probably you know, improve on the original Halloween. And you go, fuck off, can you improve on the original <laughs> Halloween? Just make your own fucking film. And then uh, and then he did all of that and then he made Halloween 2 and he was like, going, yeah, I didn't want to want to make a remake in the first place so uh, now I get to do what I want to do with my own Halloween. And you just like, go, you're absolutely full of shit and you change your story every Every, I, mm, not a fan, not a fan. <laughs> um, we should probably play a song. But, oh um, yeah, we probably should. Oh, we should. Yeah. This is. I'm, right, I'm going to play this song. This is. This is the one I was going to tell you about. Um, see if you can tell which song this reminds you of. Which other song this reminds you okay. of? I'm lost for words with that song. You just like go. It was. It came out the year after Atomic. The year blood. after, did it? Yeah, that's and interesting. It was. Uh, it was off his album Special Forces, which was at the height of his crack addiction, and um, <laughs> which is now canon. Right, for years, Alice Cooper said that he was an alcoholic in the seventies, and then he gave up alcohol, and then he started, um, uh, and, and then he had one drink at dinner, and then he became an alcoholic again, and then what actually happened was. Um, he was an alcoholic in the 70s. As, uh, he, he, what's it when everyone stopped? Uh, he had an intervention and they basically... Sobered him, up. They put him in a, a mental hospital uh, before Betty Ford clinics mm-hmm. existed. And um, 
uh, he sobered up, came out and wrote an album called From the Inside, uh, all about his experiences in the mental hospital. And he co-wrote it with Bernie Taupin. Uh, and Bernie Taupin said, oh, let's not drink, but how about doing all this crack? <laughs> Takes the edge off, doesn't it? A bit of, you're a bit craving some alcohol, probably. It's probably difficult to get through. And so you go, well, this will take the edge off This will take the, the edge off the cravings. Uh, <laughs> let's smoke crack. And basically, Alice Cooper became addicted to crack, and he almost killed himself. And but uh, to be fair, has he ever touched alcohol since? <laughs> no. No, sir. So? <laughs> but Bernie Taupin, famous for being Elton John's um, yeah. co-writer. Um, the documentary Super Duper Alice Cooper is, is I mean I, I didn't know anything about that till I saw that documentary and I cried because I was just like the the pictures of Alice Cooper when he was like that ill and you go right he's a uh, he's a Christian uh, golf playing <laughs> fucking teetotal is he right wing I don't know he keeps quiet about politics but I mean he, I think he plays golf with Donald Trump <laughs> Does he? and you go oh god so just the least, but whatever, whatever you need to get you off the crack, mate. But um, it's still amazing. Anyway, so what happened must have been, and, and I can't find. There's nothing written about these, these, t- these, um, these albums. He made three albums that he doesn't remember making. I think it was um, Zipper Catches Skin, Special Forces, and um, Dada. Dada is a five star album. Dada is if. if Anyone out there who wants to get into Alice Cooper? And uh, it's probably not a good one to get into Alice Cooper. I was going to say, what would be the one that would get you into Alice Cooper? I think the one that got me into Alice Cooper was Last Temptation. And I just think that has all of the bits uh, that... um, It's like the perfect Alice Cooper album where it's got all all of the imagery and the horror aspects and the the humour and the tunes. But it's um, when you listen to Welcome to My Nightmare, it's, it's a bit silly. But uh, Last Temptation is like, it's it's really serious when it wants to be, and it's kind of quite chilling. Um, I love that album. But Dada is one of the ones that, it's a bit of a weird album, but it, when you get into it a bit later, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's great. But he doesn't remember making it, there's no information or any of that. Special Forces, um, and, and it's one of the ones where you just go, I want to know, I want to know how he made that album but he just always says I don't remember making those three <laughs> and it's his, it's one of his best albums there's, and there's no anecdotes behind it and it's really frustrating they did an episode of <clears throat> classic albums or whatever they used to do there'd just be people going I don't don't remember it there's one remember. guy that did remember it who was called Dick Wagner who was his guitarist uh, and he got a few anecdotes about um, him and Alice Cooper locked in a hotel in Aspen in the snow and they wrote the album there uh, and Alice Cooper would sort of sleep all day, drink all night, and then probably do crack. But they must have all been on a non-disclosure agreement that that was like not part of its history. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's there's little nuggets when you find other musicians that that worked with them. Anyway, you look good in rags. So you look good in rags came out a year after Blondie's uh, Atomic, and I reckon. Blondie's Atomic that had a that had a rebirth. I don't know how big Blondie's Atomic was in 1980, mm. and by the time he was doing the album, that had a rebirth after what was it? Train Spotting they used it in. Yeah, yeah, that was Atomic. Yeah, and that was that was like really that that was really huge. And then Blondie had a big comeback at that yes. point. And obviously, um, Blondie were big at the time, but they hadn't um, they hadn't infiltrated popular culture. To the point that... Sure. But would Alice Cooper not have been aware of them as someone working in music? 
Yeah, he absolutely would have. Oh, okay, that's what that's I mean. That's what okay, I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that that it's an embarrassment when you listen back to it. Oh, where sure, you yeah. Go, where you go, uh, yeah, Blondie, 1980, when that hasn't really seeped into the popular consciousness yet. It's a song that you've heard on the radio, and he's nicked it, and he's mm. done this song that's all, that's got the exact same thing. And you go, wow, that is absolutely... Or, or whoever he was working with, the guitarist that he was working with, that came in and said, I've got this riff. Or it might be like a Paul McCartney yesterday moment that's where they're just like... Oh, I've heard this. I've got this thing in my head, and uh, maybe I've have I stolen it. And everyone's like, I but what happened was Alice Cooper probably came up with yesterday. Spoke to Paul McCartney and said, "Paul, I just had this dream. Well, it's a great <laughs> song. Listen to this. And he's playing it whilst on crack, and it's yesterday." And Paul goes, "Yeah, that's one of mine, actually, Alice." And he goes, "Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. I've done it. I've done it again." You oh. could, I mean, feasibly, you could, I suppose, right? If you just had it in your head, but someone should have said. You know that's. I just think that they just thought this song isn't big, and then the album came out because they would have been doing the album about the same time mm. or just after, just after, right? And then they released the album, and then all of a sudden Blondie has gone like stratospheric, yes. and then they've gone. <laughs> but he didn't care; he was off his face on crack, so he doesn't even <laughs> He's remember. He's having a great time. But um, yeah, I just think it's such. A, when I heard it, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, and I had to look up all the dates and everything. <laughs> but I imagine that's what it could. It's the innocent version, which is he accidentally stole yeah. it. Uh, he uh, he he'd heard it on the radio and then he thought he'd invented it. Then there's someone else coming in uh, and going, "Well, we need a riff and we might mm. as well use this." It's a bit similar to that. And then you go, "No, it's the same." Oh, then there's the whole fact that they just went out and did it because they just thought. I put I a joke know. on Twitter this week and someone replied saying, "Oh, you've nicked so and so's joke," and I said, and I thought, "Have I?" And it looked like I hadn't at all, or it was obviously something they'd said to them in person. Or, like, there was no, nothing, no sort of trail to it. And you go, but conceivably, yeah, I can understand that someone could have come up with a similar joke to that. Yeah. I did, um, yeah, but that's it. It's like, who invented the fork? It's just like, well, you know... It's oh, who invented the spoon? It's just yeah. like it's just kind of like well, it's it's in, it's in this with jokes. It's really difficult. Um, but but the other thing about being original as well, in terms of like Alice Cooper and that song, you go yeah, but why would he steal that one song? Mm. You know, he's done like thirty albums. Yes. And then it's like when people, uh, I'd, I'd do like five one-liners at the beginning of my show and someone accused me of stealing one of the, my jokes and I was just like, why would I steal one joke? <laughs> I've got like five songs in the show, I've got four poems, I've got stand-up, and then at the beginning I do five tiny one-liners. Why would I steal one one-liner? <laughs> Don't you think it's probably more likely that it's a coincidence? <laughs> you know, it's like... Um, so um, you've equally had jokes used by other people. People as steal well. off me all the fucking time. <laughs> people, people don't just steal my jokes. People steal my act, my whole stage persona. And you, I mean, I've been in the audience while people. Have, well, I've been in the audience while a guy's come on stage with a fucking guitar and shouted at people in the audience and done a poem, and then he's moved audience members around. And I've just gone. Am I meant to just fuck? What am, I actually don't know what I meant to do in this situation. It's just fucking crazy. Last week uh, I did. I think you stink with Suze Kempner was in it. And, I loved um, it, by the way, Nate. Uh, thank you. Five stars. Five um, stars. And uh, and and Suze came up to me and said, "My friend uh, said that you stole something in your show, and then he remembered that he'd seen you do it on telly." <laughs> and it's just like what? So I've stolen off myself. And when I won uh, best joke of the year, 
of, uh, uh, what was it, 2011. I needed a password eight characters long, so I picked Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, mm. right? Wonderful, right? So, um, Lovely so, stuff. But, yes. but the, th the thing about that is, like, so my dad wrote it in an email to me, and it was... Um, it was uh, a long email, and it was a long, rambling anecdote which culminated in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, right? It, it wasn't a one-liner. And so I, I kind of uh, rewrote it for him, and I sent it back and said, this is probably... It's, this is, we have a lot of back and forth like that, where he'll write a joke and then I'll correct it because it doesn't make any sense. And so that's what happened then. I can't um, believe you ripped off your dad's joke. And then I needed 30 jokes. Uh, then I was doing my 30 jokes, right? Uh, at the beginning, when I was doing my previews, and I'd go through all the jokes, and I'd get rid of the rubbish ones, and then I'd end up with the five that worked every time, and, uh, and it, which seems like a lot more work than I would do now, and um, and I, un I, I, unbelievably, it made all the cuts, and it got all the way down to the, like the final five, and I couldn't believe it, right? And then it, um, and then what happens is you're doing you're doing your show in Edinburgh. I think people probably think that you enter a competition or something. But you don't. You're doing a show in Edinburgh, and then uh, the TV company, uh, Dave, turn up, and they sit in the darkness, and then they write your jokes down, and then they go off and they put them online. And you go, that's not right. And then at the end of the month, they go, congratulations, you've won. And you go, well, yeah, I've won, but I won't be able to use that joke anymore. <laughs> Because now you've published it in the Sun <laughs> and everybody knows it, and, uh, and all you're giving me is a thousand pounds to steal my material that I never entered into a competition. But also, it's worse. Place. It's worse that if you're just one of the top ten that doesn't win, yeah. they also have their joke published and don't get any money for it. So they give you. They give you. Yeah, they give you. I couldn't. That was an amazing year for me. But um, uh, but they gave me an award. They gave me like a, a pro, like a well, a trophy type thing. It's a Perspex elephant. Uh, it said Dave on it and a thousand pounds so I shared it with my dad uh, I gave him the trophy <laughs> hey. Hey. but then when you do that when you so you haven't put yourself in that position Dave have put you in that position yes. and they open you up to all of this criticism where all of a sudden people were like going um, yeah and that was I was always really open that my, it was like a collaboration between me and my dad but it's a fucking one liner right and um, and, uh, and all of a sudden these people I got one saying um, um, I don't believe you or your father wrote that joke um, I, and uh, another guy wrote to me and said I once cheated in an egg and spoon race I once cheated in an egg and spoon race and uh, although I won the victory was rather hollow I wonder how you're feeling now. But why does why did they thought you'd stolen it? I've no idea. Right. But all you do is you just like go. I've got so someone saying I didn't like that joke. It shouldn't have won. Well, I don't know what their what's know their what, problem with you. you everyone, all of a sudden, everyone's going like, well, that's not your joke, and you're just like going, well, it is my joke, and I've got all <laughs> the working out to prove it. You know, um, fucking hell. I mean, I saw someone do something that I did on um, uh, on telly once. Uh, someone did something I did on on stage, on telly, and I confronted them about it, and I was like, what's that about? And they said, oh, it just came to me. And it's just like, um, it was jumping up and down on a mini trampoline. <laughs> um, but doing a very specific thing that was only something that I did in my live show. And actually, I did it in heavy entertainment, but we were filming that at the same time that they aired theirs. And it's just like, I know why I did it. Why did you do it on telly? And they said, oh, it just came to us. It's like, it came to you to jump up and down on television on a mini trampoline uh, doing a very specific thing. Why? 
uh, how did it? It just came to us. It's just like, well, I know why I did it, right? You had, uh, I did it because the mini trampoline fit in the back of my girlfriend's car, right? And we drove up to Edinburgh, right? Why did you do it on a TV budget when you wouldn't have needed a mini trampoline? You could have used anything. And it's just like, you, know, you haven't got any of your working out in front of you. You didn't just fucking come to you. This is fucking... Or it did, but it came to you via you. <laughs> it, 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 it happened in a very... Well, you were on crack and you were listening to... Uh, you, were watching, you were watching my live stuff and then the next day you thought, fucking hell, yeah, I've got an amazing idea. I'm going to put that on my fucking TV show. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not really that angry about it, but um, I do think that... It's just such a. It's, it, I think there is mur there is murkiness sometimes, mm. and then there is theft. I'd also say that when I come up with a joke that I think seems very neat, I always try and search keywords in it to see if it's been done before. Yeah, and I always kind of like try and have a very flippant attitude to one-liners, where you just kind of like the odds are that someone has already sure, done yeah, it. Absolutely, you put it out there, and if somebody says it, you go fair enough. But I think it was sort of like one of those things where I had a really great joke. Um, it was uh, I, one of my favourite jokes was um, uh, Tim Rice and Tim Curry got together and opened up an Indian takeaway. They, <laughs> they called it Tim's, <laughs> right? And uh, I don't think it was that. It was like, uh, do you ever think that Tim Rice and Tim Curry should get together and open up an Indian takeaway? They could call it Tim's. It would be ideal, <laughs> right? And I, I like that. It would be ideal even more than the actual punchline, right? And then I think... Um, uh, I think a big comedian started doing that joke and you go yeah of course there's mm. two guys called Tim one of them's called Tim Rice and one of them's called Tim Curry and you go I don't believe that they've stolen that one joke sure. off me you go that's just a coincidence that's how it happens um, you're saying keep it light Oh no, that's the thing. Oh, we've got some uh, we've got some reviews that we've got to read out. This is a phenomenal podcast. If you love movies, cult shows, <laughs> comedy, then this is the show for you. I don't know if we it's, should read reviews. It sounds I think a it's bit awful. It's just like it's, it's cannibalising yourself. It's a bit grubby. It's the sort I appreciate of thing it. That Brett Goldstein's would do, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I find it a little bit grubby. You're reading them out. It's like it's kind of like yeah. But, but thank you for all the thank you for saying it. Thank you for all the nice comments that we get because we do read them and it actually does pathetically. Make it uh, make me Read feel it. like uh, it's, it's, it's worth. a phenomenal. Okay, the two hosts are great. Nick is cool, and Nathaniel is a total hun, and their chemistry together makes the show and brilliant as it is. This show is a must listen. Yeah, well, that's um, very nice. Natilla the hun, uh, you probably need to um, just get a proofreader. Um, there's someone who said that they're watching, they've got up at 6 a.m. on my day off <laughs> fan club, and that's why he didn't need to get up at 6 a.m. You should have got up at midday. Yeah, this is uh, better than better, better than four stars. Yeah, five. Five. Um, that's what that's what happened. Some, this week, this week, someone tweeted me and they said, um, "I found I found this really funny." They tweeted me this week and they said, uh, "Oh, I've just uh, I've just given your short The Killing Machine seven out of ten on IMDb." And you go, <laughs> uh, "Why have you?" Why? So I wrote back to him and I wrote, uh, "And my review, and this is my review of you, one out of ten, right?" It's like it's a weird sort of like. And then I read the review that he wrote, and it's a fucking glowing review whose main his main his main concern is the fact that it's not long enough. And you go, "It's a short." 
It's a yeah. short film. I had the parameters of... Um, but you could say, I've given your show 10 out of 10. I loved it. And you'd go, like, oh, thanks very much. You'd but go, you can't go... You can't go 7 out of 10. <laughs> You've given me three and, a, three and a half out of 5. What? I mean, <laughs> why would you tell the person? Why would you tell the person that you've got... It's not a bad review. It's not negative. He's not slammed me. He's been really <laughs> hey, positive. Hey, just do your show. I thought it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've just, I've just said, I've, I've just got on IMTV <laughs> to tell the world that your show is average. You're welcome. It's kind of like you're not like saying you are shit, mate. You are shit. I fucking hate you. You are fucking shit, cunt. Right? Which is what Twitter was invented for. Sure. He's like going, you're, um, yeah, it, you were all right. <laughs> I turned it on. I didn't turn it off. <laughs> um, um, it was great. It was great to have on in the background when I did the ironing. <laughs> um, it, was, it was like that's what I call uh, <laughs> later Bon Jovi. It's uh, ironing music. It's the sort of thing that my mum used to listen to. It's my life. Yeah, I'll do it now or never. You're sleeping with my best mate, Trevor. I just want to live while I'm alive. Like and. and sentiments it's kind of like fucking hell ironing music um yeah. right uh, we should play your song and then get our guest on um yes. we've got uh, what's your song jackie jackie scott walker scott walker and then we've joined in studio by lucy porter how you end the song? I panicked, I panicked a bit because I, know you did. Uh, I thought it was wrapping up, and then it just I mean, it was wrapping up. It was, but it went <laughs> it on for fucking ages. It gave a clear ages, indication of it. it was wrapping up. <laughs> it went on for fucking ages. Um, Go the old Scott Walker flourish. We're joined Love in the studio stuff. now uh, by Lucy Porter, comedian. Hi. Um, but uh, before we get into that, oh. <laughs> we've got okay. a type of loose end about so Hammer Horror. All I was saying was I'd cut that you it off. wasn't the, it was I'd the curse. I'd have a habit of cutting him off is the thing. Yes. And then we move yes. on. Yes. You yes, just I did when he was... Yeah, yeah, yeah no, okay. that's what I was doing. Oh, I see. Oh, it works. Oh, I've that's good. Always joke. working. I was just that saying that joke. they became universal, ended up buying a lot of Hammer property after they did The Curse of Frankenstein. And they started producing them from Dracula on for a period of about years. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. No, no, that's it. No, no. Uh, anyway, we've got a guest now, so it's rude. Yeah, It'd be right, rude okay. to carry I don't on know talking. anything about Hammer. It's all right. That's not what you're here for. That's fine. Well, no, because I, I wanted you to continue just to, yeah, just to finish, annoy. Just, please, just finish it off. <laughs> I finished it. What was it? Universal. No, they ended up producing Hammer movies via. Hammer would make them. But they would produce them and distribute them for Hammer. That's nice of them. It is nice. <laughs> and I guess it means it sort of meant that they didn't have to make the films themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Um, hello, how are you doing? Hi, very good. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming having me. Well, it's my um, my absolute pleasure. This is very much my thing. Enthusiasm. You're doing a uh, you're doing your own podcast, aren't you? I am. And what's that called? It's called Fingers on Buzzers. And what's this about? It's about my great love uh, of quizzing. So it's me and you know um, you know the chase, right? I love the chase. I love the chase. And is that the one with Bradley Walsh? It is. is. Oh, it's, um, he's good, isn't he? Oh God, he is amazing. And um, there's a woman on it, the vixen. Yes, I know the vixen. Jenny Ryan. Um, and so she and I do it together. We, so we, is it about quizzing rather than... It's entirely about quizzing. Oh, so it's not a quiz? <clears throat> there are quizzes in it, because right. obviously if you you can't help it. I mean, I always put a quiz in anything I do. Every Edinburgh show I've ever done has always ended up having a quiz at some point, whether I want one or not. With really. the audience? Yeah. Um, although I prefer to participate than set, really. Sure. Um, but yeah, so Jen and I, I did the celebrity chase and um, met her and we got on and we 
decided to do this podcast and um it's uh, yeah it's sort of about quizzes like tele quizzes that's really nice so when you, when you watch that episode of the chase you can see a friendship blossoming it's beautiful it's a beautiful moment that, have uh, you done any other tv uh, uh celebrity uh it's things? all i live for now the entire purpose of me continuing to do comedy is so that I get invited to do quiz shows. <laughs> <laughs> so have you done loads? Uh, I've done um, Weakest Link, uh, Pointless, 15 to 1, Mastermind, <laughs> Test the Nation with Anne Robinson. Short-lived, but what was fun. Your specialist oh, what, was, what was Test the Nation? Oh. Test the Nation. It was Anne and I've got a feeling Philip Schofield was there, maybe, or maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But Anne Robinson he was always uh, is. Uh, he was looming somewhere. And then Anne Robinson hosts, and um, they had like groups of teachers. And I think um, I remember this. And they had. I tell you what, it was really awkward. The one I did, one of the groups they had was radio presenters. But they treated the radio presenters like normal contestants. And you know, like on telly, often the audience are treated like shit. And so um, it was really awful and really embarrassing because loads of these radio presenters, they're like local radio people that I've worked with and I know. And I was kind of being, you know, powdered down and brought drinks and food and having someone peeling me grapes and <laughs> wafting me. And then, like, other people I knew were being like, come on, no, you can't talk to her. She's one of the... She's the talent. <laughs> oh, know? no. So it was, that was the worst thing about it. Um, but uh, I did win it. I won it. Me and Barbara Dixon were the strongest contestants on the Lovely night. Stuff. And, uh, yeah, so that was good. And that was my second exposure to Anne Robinson. And so I've seen nice Robinson. She and was nice on Testination. She was nice on Testination and she was so horrible on The Weakest Link. And I thought... It's God, an she's, act though, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's, she's, she's method. She's the Dustin Hoffman of quizzing. <laughs> and um, so she's really horrible to you like the whole time. And you like, you don't really meet her much when you're in the studio. Yeah. Um, but she's an absolute cow the entire way through. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, what did I do? I did... Um, what's the one? Deal or no deal? Oh, yeah. That was an experience. I bet it was. <laughs> who's who's pick whose pick was it? Uh, I think it was Jimmy Carr. Yeah. Both times. I think they did the one that I did. Yeah. So I think what they did was they did um, Celebrity Deal or No Deal with uh, Jimmy Carr and Sarah Millican did one and then someone else did one yeah. and uh, it was Noel Edmonds and then we were box openers and then when they were doing reformatting 8 out of 10 cats to Countdown they did it with about three different things I think they did 8 out of 10 cats does Deal or No Deal Countdown and um, 15 to 1 maybe okay. and then yes. the Countdown one was the most successful and then that became a series yeah but they didn't deal or no deal, and Noel wasn't there. But the one with Noel was absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Well, did you go to Bristol, and did you have to stay over? Yeah, it was. It was. You um, did the proper experience. It was. The yeah, cult. it was jaw dropping. The stuff yeah. that Noel was doing that he knew wouldn't make it on air was just really it was blue or crazy stuff. What? It was crazy stuff. It was, I don't know. Are we allowed to talk about it? Pro- pro- <laughs> it was. It was uh, looking nervously at the producers. I mean, uh, this is probably a, a conversation best left off air. Yeah, great. We'll find out but, anyway. Um, oh god, that's so tantalising. Poor tell listeners, you, I'll sorry tell you guys. Doing a song, but Noel Edmonds. Play a song. <laughs> Noel Edmonds. An interesting was man. Absolutely insane. He would say some of the most offensive stuff I'd ever heard. Two. To us as guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly. Well, he doesn't care. He's just well, reached that point where I don't think he actually cares. You, I think he probably would put it out. I'll tell you one of the things. There was uh, there was a f- uh, 
there was a female comedian and um oh, she no. and and, <laughs> and uh, we were going around the thing and she said something like um this is in front of all the audience and everything like mm. that he said something like uh, she said something like um oh i've got a good feeling in my box and he you know boxes vagina joke mm. sure and uh, he goes uh, oh come on right we've been doing this show for 10 years 10 years we've been doing this show can we just have it once and for all with the box is vagina jokes please <laughs> i mean you're you're a professional comedian you're a professional comedian oh right you should be trying a little bit harder than that and he told wow. her, he told her off and oh all of us God. off wow. and then and it was just like what um uh uh, okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you some That's more. That's amazing. Right. But I sort of am on his side in a way. There, I think you know. You do. Sit. I just think drop it, mate. Just just get on. Don't tell her off in front of everyone, right? And then there was a, there was a there was a, a portly guy yeah. uh, that was. I'm not going to name any of the no, comedians, no, right? But he don't. but he walked down. Uh, he he walked down at the beginning, you know, and uh, just a you know slightly above average sized, <laughs> and uh, with with and he goes. We call that the walk of wealth. And by the looks of it, it looks like you could do with a bit of a walk. Ooh. And he turned around and he said, are, are you calling me fat? And he was just like, Pfft. and what he'd do is he would, uh, he would just raise his hands in the air and puff his face out and go, <laughs> like that. And then he'd, he'd and, and like he, a cartoon Frenchman. Like, like, and he's just absolutely <laughs> absolving him of any, yeah. of any connection he's to what has just happened. He's putting the universe. Yeah. That's so it. The universe has given him... Exactly. I've he's given, he's given away, yeah. So then later on, in the, later on in the episode, Noel's been horrible to all of us like, mm. at some point. And, uh, and the guy who he said walk of wealth to, right, just turns around and goes, all right, Noel, we've had it with you, right? You've been saying all of this stuff. You've been saying it to her. You've been saying it to me. You've done all of this, right? I think that you, actually, are not a very nice guy. Ooh. And you've got there's a real problem. They left that bit in the show, and they cut out the bit <gasps> where he insulted everyone, oh, and it made yeah. it look like he was attacking Noel Edmonds on his own show. Oh. And Noel's just there going, I don't know what that's about. And it's just like, because <laughs> it, it, was, it was absolutely insane. And there was there was um, there was one bit where they get a picture of um, I won't tell you the worst thing that happened, but I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the thing that was just really. This is so good. This is like the best and, uh, thing I've ever heard. I'll tell you the thing that actually made me just it still makes me laugh to the day uh, is um, uh, they showed a picture of because it was Jimmy Carr. They showed a picture of Quagmire from uh, Family, Family Guy on the set, mm-hmm. and basically the joke is that Jimmy Carr looks like Quagmire. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Jimmy Carr probably gets it a lot or uh, he didn't really know how to react. He didn't want to lower himself to actually responding to the joke or anything. So he turns around, he turns, and he goes, uh, 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 Noel says, the banker seems to think you look a little bit like Quagmire. And so Jimmy Carr turns around and he says, just tell the banker, giggity, giggity. And Noel goes, like, giggity goo. It's like he slides right up to Jimmy Carr <gasps> and with like little kind of like cat paws goes, <laughs> and Jimmy just yeah, turns around to Noel and he goes, creepy Noel, real creepy. Oh. <laughs> and now to this day, uh, I still think it's funny. He goes, come on girl, let's get gooey. <laughs> it's so fucking disgusting. Let's, let's get gooey. Oh. <laughs> so, 
giggity game. Uh, it was just absolutely Doesn't repulsive. Noel Edmonds drive around in a black cab which has a black doll in the back so he doesn't get fares? <laughs> Oh. But you go, but imagine seeing him at some traffic lights and going, oh, God, what's going on? Yeah. Who's that? What's happening? Who Who's is... he killed now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I mean, he's, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's had a... What was that he's show? Had a life. That he d- He did one recently with a load of comics, didn't he? And they it were was... driving around with their partners, weren't they? No. Oh, I don't know. With, with... He did one where he was driving around, uh, like, Istanbul with his wife and they were oh, arguing yeah. in the car. Oh, God, yes, and he... Uh, now, did this was this public knowledge, or did someone tell me this that he had a massive tantrum because uh, he said that everyone else cheated? Um, but what actually happened was he was the only person who was taking it deathly seriously, <laughs> and everyone else was like, "It's telly." <laughs> I, clearly, I'm not going to drive from you know London to Istanbul. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but he went absolutely nuts and said, "This is TV fakery. This would never have happened in my day." We're and told that that. Uh, uh, Noel Edmonds' blow-up dolls is called Candy's Cans. Mm. And yes, yes, there she is. Why is she called Candy's Cans? And and he released a dance track with suggestive catchphrases from No Deal or No Deal under the name. Can we play out with that? (laughs) (laughs) Candy's Can. And she's wearing a riding hat. She is. Which is like a fetish layered on a fetish, isn't it? And also riding in the back of a cab, which seems overly safe. (laughs) But good health and safety. She's on, she has got a seatbelt. She's on point. Oh, so he drives a black cab, does he? Yeah. You, well, that's so that uh, it, it doesn't get flagged down. Right. Um, yes, yeah, I think so. He doesn't Stephen Fry drives yeah. a black cab and, uh, and he's always getting flagged down. So I, I imagine think there is something, if you're famous and you go for a quirky vehicle, to me that is a little bit try hard. I'm just going to say that. I just think that if you're Noel Edmonds, I would have a Mondeo. <laughs> if you are going to drive a taxi, I would say almost the opposite, but I would say that if you are going to decide to drive a taxi, expect to try and get flagged down. Mm. Yeah. Right? Don't get so pissed off. I'm freaking really fed up with people flagging me down. I'm going to mm. buy a sex doll and dress her up. Yeah. And I'm not going to use her for sex. I'm not going to use her for sex. I'm going to do something actually. I'm going to think outside mm. her box. Oh, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually going to uh, just stop her from uh, use, her, use her as a decoy to You're stop right. me getting bloody flagged down. So you'd be going, oh, I'm furious. I bought myself a root master and then someone keeps hanging off the back of it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, that's probably going to happen. It will happen if you've done it. Crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so um, so you did uh, Mastermind. Yeah. What was your specialist subject? Did you finish talking about Anne Robinson? Uh, yeah, just she wasn't very nice, and then she was nice. Sorry, Hammer Hammer <laughs> films had uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> she was in a Hammer film. I tell you what, was a Hammer film mm-hmm. on the buses? That's fan it a club. Yeah, Rob Depp. The three on the buses movies. Robert Depp movies. has informed us that the last Hammer, ho- the oh, Hammer this movie. Oh, this is getting worse. Oh my God! It's Noel Edmonds uh, who is in fancy dress as Chuck Norris, uh, <laughs> sat in between a real a real woman. I'm assuming his wife and a, f- a fake woman who um, has obviously got to his destination. Uh, I was just having a cup of tea. <laughs> the fake woman is about to pour pour a pot of tea. She got six fingers. She's got grass, sort of graspable fingers, yes. which you think that's of course. a bit... That's for wanking. Yeah, I mean, I'm... That's, yeah. uh, that's uh, what you do is uh, she can either use them to hail, hail a cab mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> or she can use them to uh, wank Noel Edmonds off. Uh, 
Joe, <laughs> <laughs> all the people to talk about. I mean, he's notoriously angry <laughs> and he? litigious. Yeah, I mean, he's um, suing Lloyd's Bank or something. Oh. So he could bring down Fubar and all of us individually okay. within minutes if we chose He could easily bring me down, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> it wouldn't take much to bring me down. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I mean, oh, it's a sex doll, isn't it? They don't sell. They don't sell I mean, dolls. Actually, no, they don't fairness, sell dolls just to sit in the back of taxis. It, do no, they? it's a mannequin. It isn't a sex doll. It is a mannequin. Let's. I'm going to try and claw this back. He wears a fake beard. He wears a fake beard. Why? Because so that people. I'll tell you who I had in the front of my cab the other day. Noel Edmonds. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. Uh, so, um, so you did Mastermind. What did you, how did you find John Humphreys? Is it John Humphreys that does it? Yeah, it is John Humphreys. Yeah. I am um, not a fan on the Today programme, but um, actually uh, very pleasant company. Was he? He was pleasant company. He was very nice to my father-in-law, which I think that's oh. the mark oh, of that a is a, nice celebrities, if they're hmm. nice to your, you know, your fa- fan, fan hmm. and friends. Hmm. Um but you know, it was all right. It was, you know, yeah, it was all right actually. And the um, the experience of doing it was amazing because right. it is the pinnacle of quizzing. Well, if you're someone who's grown nervous. up on, that's the one I did. Pardon? Did it make you nervous? I was nervous. I was very, very nervous. Is it designed to make you put you at unease? Yes, it. it well, what's the um, the theme tune to Mastermind is called? It's fucking stressful. It's called like, Approaching Menace. Right. right, or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I'm sure the producers will look it up. It me. was um, w- uh, when when you're sat at the chairs and the music starts. It's yeah. like uh, it, it's like you're in the telly now. Do yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Because it's such a famous bit of yeah. music, and it's like you're Ooh. and the chair, and it is that weird thing where you sort of think, "Oh my god, I'm actually in the telly." Yeah. And um, although I mean, I sort of remember it more from the Magnus Magnuson era. Mm. So to me, John Humphreys is a, is a pretender to the throne. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he wasn't particularly nice to me. Also, the thing is, I did do the... It was the comic relief special, so it wasn't... I mean, it was... They really do dumb down the questions. Oh, which, really? Yeah. What so were you... What were, what were, uh, who were the other contestants? So there was Dave Spikey, who'd won it before, talking about blood, which is his... Because um, he's a haematologist. But had he won it before on real Mastermind and then he did the comic no, relief No, he'd done one. another celebrity one, I think. But not a comic relief one. But not comic relief. They shouldn't dumb it down. I think that seems offensive, I know, right? I know. Well, because also... So he is a quizzer hmm. and he was doing the Leeds to Manchester Ship Canal. And then Mark Watson was on, and he was doing the World Cup since 1979 or something, which is insanely hard. It was an insane waste of life. I was doing <laughs> uh, The Life and Works of Steve Martin, and um, Stephen Kamos was doing Five Star, the um, Romford band of the 80s. Five uh, Star, the band from the 80s? Yeah. Five wow. Star. Where were they from? Rumford. Rumford, yeah. I thought that they were the American. I thought they that were American. Was, well, do you know what, right? So they, the questions were so easy, and I had done so much research on Steve Martin. So, I, in fact, I did get one question wrong. But, I mean, you know, they were just all the questions you would think they would ask. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen what subjects everyone else was doing. So just because I'm interested, I had a quick look at, you know, some information about their stuff. And I read the, the Wikipedia page about Five Star, and... Basically, every question they asked about Five Star was on their Wikipedia page. What, and um, How many Stephen questions K. can you have about Five Star? Well, you know, what are they all called? 
mm-hmm. right? Where are they from and what were their songs? I mean, that is it. Because they, they were, were so for squeaky six, clean. six weeks in, in 1987. Yeah. And then they had a lot of hits. They, they did, did have they a lot did. of hits. But Stephen K. Amos, um, got, he scored four. <laughs> Which, like, How many did you score? I would have scored about 12. <laughs> and it is, I How was can you get just... four on your special subject? And it that's was like, because he was... one better than Sam Ashurst. <laughs> <laughs> He was there for comedy and not for quizzing, which is something I never get. You know, because when I do these, I'm there for the quizzing. Absolutely. And I so don't you care. should be. Oh, yeah, I mean, getting so laughs is be. overrated generally, I think. That's crazy. Um, Four. But, yeah, it was like Chris Ramsey when we did um, The Weakest Link. Uh, just, you know, knew the answers and didn't say the right answer because he thought of something funnier. And I was looking at him and I was like, I admire you as a comedian. <laughs> but as a human being, I don't understand you at all. I don't respect I've got, this. No, I really, I just have no idea how you can yeah, do it that. It overrides everything. Overrides everything, that quiz. <laughs> it does, I can't. It? What, the weakest link? No, if, if someone was doing a quiz, I couldn't try and be funny. I'd be like, shush, yeah, yeah, shush, yeah. I want to get the answer. Oh, I mean, I've had, because like, I do a lot of pub quizzes and I've taken, you know, friends who I get on with and love and um, like, and then they sort of get bored and they start chatting and they're like, oh, it doesn't really matter. And I'm absolutely furious. My friend Barunka, who I will name and shame, <laughs> because she's so intelligent and she's like, I was like, she's going to be amazing at this pub quiz. And she just, yeah, couldn't be asked after, you know, the first couple of rounds. I love pub quizzes. Oh, I'm not a chatter, but I'll tell you what, I'm, I, I take them very seriously, but what I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't hide my paper. No, I don't no, like no, that. no, or no. Or snatch pens. People or, who snatch pens and oh, things. Oh, God. Go, oh, don't snatch a pen off me. I mean, or cheat. I mean, yes. I just find, because we, in the one that I go to regularly, the first round is always, you know, stuff in the news. And there are people who bring in the papers and just have a little, and I'm like, that is just, That's not why right. would you do that? That's not right, especially when you've got Google on your phone. Oh, why would you bring Nick. in papers? Oh, what would you do? <laughs> no, I, th- I think cheating, cheating in a pub quiz is absolutely uh, abhorrent. Oh. But also, um, uh, we did a pub quiz the other week uh, with Natalie, didn't mm-hmm. we? And every time I knew the answer to something, she's got so little respect for me that she just had to <laughs> double check it with uh, with less intelligent people at the table. You know? uh, I just found it I found it offensive, to be fair. Yeah. And, and even today, when I was like saying, "Oh, there's a nice uh, there's a nice review of fan club. There's one that says that I'm cool in it." Right, and uh, because it was sort of uh, bigging myself up a little bit, she refused to believe me. And she's like saying, "Where's this? Where's this? Where's this?" And she got Nat, uh, she got Nat on her side, saying, "Where's this review that says you're cool, Nick? Where's this review that says you're cool?" She's like, "Well, I didn't make it up, didn't you? Because it seems to be in your interest." This happened during one of the songs that we've been playing in this show, and I'm just, I've, I've, I've been bottling it up too long, and I'm letting it out now. Oh, it's right? your Noel Edmonds moment. And then Look she found it. it. And then she found the quote. She refused to apologise! I think it's something about men with beards, maybe. I don't know what it, it is. is. Sometimes I have a beard, so keep it light. Sometimes I have a beard, <laughs> and sometimes I don't have a beard. That's how facial hair works. But have you got a blow-up doll? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a whole doll. It's a, it's a rubber glove. It's a marigold, and I blow it up, and uh, I use it to wank off Noel Edmonds. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so your special subject was Steve Martin. Do you yeah. really love Steve Martin? I adore uh, Steve Martin, and I so yeah. I just sat and watched all his films for three days before I went and did the show, and it was the best three days I've ever spent in my life. She's coming. So you now, just did it via osmosis. You got your info yeah, the proper yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Just by immersing myself in the subject. And would it would it have been one of those things that when you heard the questions, you were like, I would have got these anyway. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, you know, I'm a bit of a fangirl anyway, and I would have known most of it. Even, you know, some of his more obscure do banjo work. Do you remember his, uh, do you remember your questions? Um, I do. I remember the one I got wrong, of course, because you always do. What was the one you got wrong? The one I got wrong was uh, which character did he voice in The Simpsons? Oh, oh yeah, that's a hard one. It is, and I still can't remember, actually. No, <laughs> I don't know. I remember the getting it wrong, but I didn't actually go to the lengths of correcting it. Um, uh, my, my special subject was Alice Cooper. And nice. um, and I was reading a book about Alice Cooper the night before. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I'd done you know, loads of research. And there was a bit while I was reading. I was either reading or I, maybe I was listening to it. On a, no, I think I was reading it. Mm-hmm. And it, there was a very specific... Uh, bit where I kind of like was dozing off and it was about uh, one of the first gigs that they did in London where they were supporting a band um, and I sort of like drift, drifted off and then I sort of woke up and I was sort of like I've got to plough on through this book mm-hmm. and I thought well, should I reread that bit I was like, they'll never ask me about that oh, and then yeah. I ploughed on through the book and then the one question I got I passed one question and uh, and I got one question wrong and the one I passed, I think, was specifically oh, about, and it must have been three sentences yeah, that yeah. I drifted off on, and it was specifically about the three sentences that I drifted off on, and I think the answer was The Who. Oh, in which band did mate. they support in the Rainbow Rooms in Finchley Park oh. in 1970, whatever. And it was, uh, you know, and I really... Uh, but it's so weird, because I specifically remember the bit where I lost that point. Which is, I just drifted off during that. It's such a, it was like halfway through a book as well, like three sentences halfway through a book. But, um, and who was on with you? Did you win? Uh, no, I didn't. I came second. I can't remember who was on with me. I know that the. Who beat you? Um, uh, it was an actress. Which shows you good luck that you don't, it isn't imprinted in your brain. Yeah, I would I'd be, be furious. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> She'd be getting uh, anonymous letters. I'm not watching any of her shows anymore. <laughs> I did really well. I came second. Was it, there was, a, there was, there was, um, there was an, uh, uh, an Olympian. Um, One of them losers. No, he was, uh, um, you know, he had um, uh, you know, fake limbs because uh, he'd been in an accident and then he'd become like a. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the names of anyone. But his special <laughs> subject was Terminator, and so we were backstage, and I was like going, I was trying to be helpful, and I was in high spirits because I've got two, I've got two uh, settings backstage on a TV show. I either get really nervous, mm-hmm. or I just get really hyperactive. Yeah. I prefer to be hyperactive because yeah. it's a miserable day when you're nervous. Yeah. So I was backstage, just like going, uh, "All right, so uh, who played the T1000 in Terminator 2?" And he goes, what? Um, I don't know. And I said, your special <gasps> subject is Terminator. Oh, no. How can you not know that? It's Robert Patrick. I know. Right? <laughs> and then he went out, <laughs> and his question was, who played the T-1000 in Terminator 2? And he went, Robert Patrick. And when he sat back down next to me, I went, <laughs> but I was only trying to help him out. Do you know what I mean? No. Um, the girl that won—I can't remember her name. She was. Was, she it, was it Kimberly Nixon? Kimberly Nixon. That's right. There you go. Um, uh, that's fan club. Her special subject. Her special subject was. Um, Who was Kimberly Nixon? I don't know. She's an actress, um, and her fresh. She's in Fresh Mate, and uh, her special oh, yes, subject yes. was um, Agatha Christie. And you go, right, and there's a lot of Agatha oh, Christie. Sure is. Yeah. And fucking hell, she had questions like. Uh, what does G and T stand for? And she'd say, uh, gin. And then John Humphreys would go, 
And <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, gin and tonic. Uh, and you go like, hang on a minute, how much fucking help are you giving her? This is fucking yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she had really short. And this, this is a lot. You know, I'd have like in the years 1973 yeah, when Alice question. Cooper was touring. Mm. Uh, what was the uh, item of clothing that he was said to have worn in the Rolling Stone yeah. article? It's just like, how long is this fucking question, yeah. mate? You go. It was a. It was a fucking. It was a fucking pair of shoes mate shoes shoes <laughs> shoes right? and she got and she got like what does what's a gnt <laughs> what does gnt stand for yeah. oh gin and then uh, then one of the questions was um what was the murder weapon from the end of um one of Agatha Christie's books yeah. and she would say uh, and, and she said oh it was a rock he goes it was an ornamental paperweight. Yes, I'll accept that. And you'd go, what? <laughs> oh my Hang God. on a minute. Hang on a minute. Yeah, I'd have lost it. I'd have, I'd had, I had really long questions, and um, uh, and and uh, he was helping her out. And he was helping her. And uh, I think he referred to them both as sex symbols, and it was a very uncomfortable moment. Uh, but also, Who's both? her and him. Oh God. Oh. It was uh, it was uncomfortable, <laughs> and um, but also and then he went out of his way to help her, and then it was like with me, I said something that was slightly self-deprecating, and he goes, "What do you mean? You're saying that you're not very good at something? You're not very good? Then why are you here?" It's a funny old. And it was one, just like it? I'm being self-deprecating. I am obviously amazing. That's why I'm yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I know everything about Alice Cooper. It's that I think though. Yeah, he's sort of. It's not a hundred percent clear what his persona is, is it? Yes, because he is like. Nice. I think he is nicer to women than he pervert. is to men. I and think that's his that persona. Might be it. He's the people's pervert. It was a bit weird. But also, I think um, uh, I think on any other one, I would have won. Yeah. I don't find him very warm, but I find Magnus Magnusson was serious but quite warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think he's a cold person. He seems quite a nice... Well, and he had that sort of nice sort of northern, yes. Icelandic-y, yes. Scottish-y kind of... Um, yeah, a soothing voice. Yeah. Sally Magnusson is still on, um, she's still on the local news in Scotland. It's lovely oh. to see her. Lovely to see her. <laughs> it was that Mastermind Peg game, wasn't there? Yeah. It wasn't related was at all. Unrelated. To do with it, I know. Unrelated, yeah. Um, so, uh, what's your favourite... <laughs> Let's talk about Steve Martin, because I love Steve Martin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what? So, shall we? Uh, probably the jerk. Probably it's the sort of the comedian in me. It's yeah. probably the jerk. I love the first half of the jerk, and then the second half sort of. Like, I still love it, but it sort of gets yeah. a little bit. I know what you mean. I love the bit with the cans. Just everything, like every single scene for the first yeah. uh, for the first forty five minutes. It's front loaded with great gags and visuals, and then it and becomes the more yeah. thing and all that. Yeah, I love, but but. I would say that the first half is Should like we do a one top, of my top three. Top three, Steve Martins. Um, I would say probably Dirty Rotten Scoundrels just for the Ruprecht. Oh wow, yeah. Scene. I love the film. But also, when you watch Bedtime Story, the original mm. uh, David Niven, Marlon Brando, mm. <coughs> the Ruprecht scene is almost exactly the same when yeah. Marlon Brando's doing it. It's yeah. kind of like you think, oh wow, Steve Martin's a comedy genius, and then you watch the Marlon Brando do it, and you go, oh my god, it's almost the same. It's crazy because you yeah. don't think of Marlon Brando like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is Funny Marlon Brando. I, I had forgotten about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but that would be really high up, yeah. I haven't seen it in ages. Me either. Frank Oz. I, Frank I do Oz. love it. They've remade it as well. They've they? remade it uh, called... No. What's it called? It's called... Um, this uh, quote, oh, oh, God. What's it? The Australian uh, comedian woman, uh, Rain Wilson. No, not Rain Wilson. What's her name? Oh, oh uh, uh, yeah, Rebel Wilson. Rebel, Rebel Wilson. Wilson. And um, who was Catwoman in... 
the last Batman one. Oh, um, Anne Hathaway. So Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson are playing, and it's called something like Evil Women or Mean Women. Or but it's Dirty Rotten Scoundrels in all but names. They've, they've done a gender swap. Gender swapped. Uh, okay. Uh, and I don't know how... Nasty I don't, Women. Nasty Women. And I don't know how the gender swap really benefits in this, because surely if it's a gender swap, that means that it's a, it's a film about two women that get... Uh, duped by a cleverer man <laughs> at the end yes, yes you're right it was that's true equality that's true equality yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like mean. misjudged slightly it's like, I haven't know. seen it wouldn't watch it yeah um, I would like to see a gender swapped uh, planes, trains and automobiles just for oh, because yeah. it's such a good buddy road movie it is, and but they did sort of like that with um, what was that hop suit that they did with uh, Reese Witherspoon. They, they've done sort of like road female, female road movies, and and I only they worked out that Hot Pursuit. What's the name of What's the name of the actress that's in it with Reese Witherspoon? Is it? I don't uh, know. Sophia, it's the one, the one out of um, Modern Family. Sophia Vergara. I only worked out that the title Hot Pursuit is a pun, isn't it? They've gone. Oh, she's hot. Hot. So they're. Oh. Under, so, but, uh, Still all about not, sexy. Not that I've mm. even seen the film or have thought about it much at all. But like, I have <laughs> only just worked out that it was a pun. But um, um, <coughs> good quiz question about planes, trains, and automobiles. Yes. Is uh, which city are they going back to? Oh, I don't know. I remember it's. it's in, is it in Connecticut? No, that's Christmas in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know who directed, do you know who directed the remake? Do you know who directed the remake of Christmas in Connecticut? No, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. So, um, uh, where are they going back to? They're going it's, back to Chicago. Chicago. And um, and it is uh, and it, people always think it's Christmas because over here oh, you've yes, got to yeah. go. Oh, it's like a Christmas movie because it's snowy no, and everything. But um, it's like, but it's a fucking amazing film. Uh, although um, when did John Candy die? That wasn't he that died long in nineteen ninety three, halfway through filming Wagons East. He'd just finished Canadian Bacon, which was the last film to be released, and Wagons East was uh, the film that was made before. And they had to, he died halfway through, and they had to CGI him on a, on the back of a horse. Wow. Bloody hell, I tell you what, that actually... 1994. I do now think I do want to be on your pop quiz team so bad. <laughs> I, I mean... Are you good across, are you good across everything? No. Well, I, I'm not no. I, I'm bad on sport. I've got no sport. Yeah, I've got no sport. And it's, this is why geography, I'm a good pub quiz team well. manager. No, I'm not bad on geography. But, um, yeah, I mean, I am better at organising a pub quiz team and knowing who to have for what categories. Science and nature, I'm quite bad on in dual pursuit. All the rest, I'm, I'm fine on. I, I haven't played Trivia Pursuit for years, you know. That's something that I could do this Christmas. I'm like a uh, sponge when it comes to things that I'm interested in. Yeah. yeah. But if I was interested in biology or geography, I'd have been brilliant in school. But I was interested <laughs> in reading Empire magazine. And it, just, it just all goes in. And, yeah. and, and I'm, you know, and, um, yeah, but I've got no useful things. So on a pub yeah. quiz, it's just kind of like, where's the film? Film man's only five questions. What? <laughs> <laughs> if me and Nick, sometimes Nick will say, oh, did you know this? And I go, I did know that because I also read it in a 1995 yeah. issue of Premiere. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just that. Nowadays, you would have found each other probably with the internet and, you know, yes. you would have been the two big film geeks. But you were it's just such a beautiful image of you two both being kind of oh why is there no one like me in the world and then it's taken you all this time to find each other it was weird it was weird to um, yeah it was weird to uh, did you have anyone else who was like you 
<laughs> no, no, because people would think that if you were that interested in something, it was weird, you know. And I found, yeah, but I would, yeah. I know. I, well, I think that's the. This is why I love what you're doing because I think great enthusiasms are, you know, it, it's. I've always been someone who just wants to tell everyone about things I really love, and um, everyone was a bit too cool when I was growing up, and it was like, oh, don't be, don't be that girl who kind of goes please listen to my music well, I think that might be why you retain it because you've got no one to, to yeah, share it yeah that's true I don't get it out <laughs> of you know it's just in there still like like a pinball smashing yeah. about until you've got someone going oh, did you know that this happened I know or someone asked me in a quiz because I also am really bad at remembering conversationally anything but if I'm in a quiz situation and John Humphreys is staring me in the face, yeah. then I kind of go, oh! With his, with his eyes. Yeah, with his slightly lascivious... <laughs> I won't look at him the With his eyes now. and his erection. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like uh, The Man With Two Brains. Yes. I saw a- that again recently and I, and I never liked it as much. And then I saw it as a jerk, and then I saw it again recently, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Every single scene is a sketch, yeah. And it's and it's a really clever uh, pastiche. And I think that's what I really like is the Steve Martin persona. Yeah. And I think that there's so much pastiche going on in the Man with Two Brains that his persona doesn't really come out. He's mm. just—it's not like Steve Martin. He's—he's he's doing a performance. Mm. And um, and I watched it again recently, and I had just had a completely different. It was like, oh my god, I've been watching it wrong all these yeah, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and Dead, he, the Carl what? Reiner films that he made, Dead Men yeah. Don't Wear Plaid, as well. Um, his character. How to spell his character name in Man with Two Brains? Oh, did you, is this one of your questions? No, but I don't I wouldn't be able to, to tell nah. you. But I think it's H F F N. There an N in there even R R. No, okay. H F F H F. You know, there's that the, the little girl. <laughs> he, the, there's a little girl, and he comes out and he gives her loads of really complicated instructions. Goes repeat it, and then she just repeats it. <laughs> yes. on she did it for real. She like she she learnt it all and she did it for real. They thought they were going to have to put it on boards, but and people think that she could do it on boards. But she was like five years old, so she couldn't read like to that standard. Yeah, yeah. H F U H R U H U R R. No um, ends at all. I was no way off. Absolutely <laughs> way I could see an M, but I think I've I've tried to remember it in the past. Yeah, that's because um, an H looks a little bit like an, an N, N with a hat. It on. does. It I does. Think it, is. <laughs> um, it looks a bit like an enthusiastic N <laughs> sticking its arm up because hey, it knows the answer. Yeah. Hey, I'm an N. Um, can I just talk about uh, all of me quickly, just because Lily yes. Tomlin? I am obsessed with Lily Tomlin as well, and I think she's so so good in that. Yeah, I think that's it because Lily Tomlin wasn't a sort of figure to me growing up. Except she was in all of me, and that was the only yeah. kind of reference. And nine to five. Oh God, nine no! No, but I, I didn't see nine to five till much later. Oh, really? So I always thought of her like, where's she from? And yes. she's sort of brilliant in this one film. And you go, she should be in other things. <laughs> they should put her in something else. She's yeah, good in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was such an unusual thing to see, like a, an older. I mean, she wasn't even that yeah, old, yeah. but you know, an older woman and an equal. And I just absolutely loved her persona in that movie yes, as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just was something that I was really not used to seeing. It, was, it blew my mind. They must have had to get together a bit like uh, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage got together to work <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, face off. Yeah. Face, face off. off. The little oh, character trips of like uh, <laughs> g- giving. Family members to spam in the face with their hands. <laughs> That's what I do. I just wet my hand into me. And they must have had to get together and work out what all their mannerisms were. Um, but, uh, but it's, I always think it's a bit of a shame with Steve Martin because I think his, his films were so good up to a point and he didn't really do much wrong footing mm. until he just went, 
No, I go for broke now. He's like oh. he's, he does a bit of um, like uh, Robert De Niro now. It feels like oh, people won't think God. of Robert De Niro as being good. He's no, been, bad, he's been bad longer than he yes. was good. I know. I don't Niro think that that's the same. With, really. I don't think that's the same as Steve Martin at all. I think there's I, always something to love in his performances, even if some of the films are terrible. Oh, his films are shit, but I just don't go and see Steve Martin anymore. Yeah, I th- I, he he's got a decade or, or ju- over a decade of uh, absolute bangers. Yes, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, mm. He's a bit like Rob Reiner in that respect, where Rob Reiner had just such an amazing string of films. It doesn't really matter if Rob Reiner makes films anymore. Obviously, he wants to keep ma- working. Steve Martin is an interesting in making films he's interested in um, modern art he's interested in modern, modern art playing the banjo he writes short stories and novellas uh, he writes uh, uh, he used to so he was the biggest stand up comedian on the planet which mm. is why he wore a white suit so people could see him in stadiums mm. and he was he was, the, he was the first sort of like rock star mm-hmm. comedian where he was just so huge um, and then he got to a point he was just like well I can't take this any further and then he went films I'm going to do films and so he, he started writing uh, he co-wrote The Jerk with Carl mm-hmm. Reiner that's how that came about wasn't it that he he, he he wanted to take a year off touring and so he was so tired that he thought well if I make a film we can just send it out like a road show <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. have that like <laughs> yeah and he did that of... short film before it didn't he did oh, yeah, The, the um, Absent Minded yes. Waiter yeah. Uh, and then, so he, did, so he started doing that, and he was just like, this is brilliant, that does all the legwork for me, yeah, that's great. And then he got to a point, and he wrote uh, Roxanne, and then he wrote L.A. Story, and that was kind of, I think, his crowning achievement, mm. which was to be mm. like, great, I did those. And then he went, you know what, I'm going to take some time. I think he really loved A Simple Twist of Fate, and it did nothing yeah. at the box office. And he did that along the same time as Mixed Nuts, mm. which were t- both not very good films. Mm. And then he went, right, okay, so he started writing theatre. So he did the theatre, he wrote a play, and he, he, he loved theatre. He's, he, he's a multi-millionaire, he doesn't ever have to work mm. ever again. So he started writing theatre. Then he started writing books, then he wrote Bowfinger, which was, I think, him and Eddie Murphy's last great film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Um, and then he started playing the banjo and he's also a magician he's got like yeah he's, he's one of the most creative people on the planet and he's got like seven creative passions yeah. and he's mastered all of them almost and you just like go anyone that turns around and says Steve Martin's not funny anymore doesn't make funny films anymore can go fuck themselves I, mean, I always say this it's like he had, he had that's f- you now. he had 15 <laughs> years he had 15 years where he was making amazing films yeah, and the reason why yeah. he's not making amazing films anymore is because it's easy to say I'll do the Pink Panther but I'll rewrite it then uh, if you're going to make it anyway, I'll do it and I'll mm. rewrite it. Then, then it, it feels to go, like if you're I'm rewriting do... it, it should be, it feels like, oh, this should be better. Oh, of course it should be better, but it's, it wasn't a passion project. Who wants to do a remake of The Pink Panther? No. Also, you're going into it going, it's already done. Peter Sellers has already done it. Yeah. People have tried to reboot it before. Mm. With Robert Benini, was son of mm. Pink Panther, and uh, someone else played him. Uh, someone weird. It was. Uh, it wasn't Carl Reiner. It was like Carl Reiner. It was uh, Alan, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin did it first, didn't he? Or was that that's quite early on? I think. No, I think that because the, the Pink Panther Clouseau. was um, was uh, the David Niven film. Yes. And he was like a little walk-on cameo, wasn't he? Yes. Inspector yeah, Clouseau. Yeah. He was like a background character. Who stole the show? And then what? And Shot then in the dark. Shot in the dark is the one because I remember I got the box set of, of VHSs and uh, being really furious that a Shot in the Dark was in that box set. That, Why? You know, just felt like well, it wasn't a Pink you know, Panther film. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was an Inspector Clouseau yeah, film. Yeah, no. yeah. I remember we we were all fascinated with a Shot in the Dark. There's a bit when his trousers come down and someone at school swore blind you could see his willy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah, but um, it's I like someone had uh, the Barbara Windsor top flying off. Yeah, bit yeah, yeah. That, um, everyone, 
when VHS came in, that was the sole purpose of VHS, VHS. was yeah. to, to see if you could see an office. That, is, that and the leg crossing scene from Base Conceit. Yes, uh, God, of, what, yes. What, what VHS have you got, Nick? I've got Carry On Camping and Base <laughs> Instinct. Uh, and they're both absolutely worn out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so I think that you can, uh, Steve Martin has a free pass with me, and any time he does anything, oh, I think he's brilliant. You anytime know, he does anything brilliant. good, um, oh, it's always a success. Yeah. You know, he, well, Bill Murray is a similar kind of. You know, sure. he can do some. I think he's a lot more hit and miss. Yeah. In terms of, in t- I think when he's good, he's absolutely amazing, mm. and then uh, then he'll be doing stuff like Larger Than Life, where you just like go, mm. yeah. And yeah. I think that. He's much more inconsistent in the 80s than Steve Martin was. Sure. It was like uh, Steve Martin elevated everything. His bit in, um, he, I mean, Little Shop of Horrors is an amazing film. Well, that's oh, the thing. Yes. But his bit in Little Shop of Horrors is just like, fucking make the whole film yeah, about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's the, that, I was going to mention that. I, I, I'm not as big a fan of Little Shop of Horrors as a lot of people are, but I think that bit was the thing. Yeah. Um, it was That was probably my basic instinct. I used to rewind <laughs> that and play that back. It was so and cool. Pl- I just rewind that five minutes and play it again yeah. and again. And I remember it being one of those things that when you don't actually laugh that much at things, I remember watching it and being in tears you know and then rewinding it and just crying, mm-hmm. laughing. You know, I didn't watch the leg crossing scene over and over again because I found it funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny I was though, masturbating <laughs> Nathaniel so was I <laughs> um, the, um, the, uh, yeah I've got to play the dentist in a school play and um, and I fucking yeah it was like dream come true I got to finally uh, be Steve Martin in the little show yeah he's so cool in that film mm. I've got that on vinyl of the, the single of that the dentist single um, I'd say I would say I really do love Steve Martin. I think partly it's that if I could go back in time, I wouldn't see Bringing Down the House. I just wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't go. I haven't. It made seen me Bring really sad. Don't ever so. see Bring it. Bringing Down the House. Yeah, sure. But he, made me I really think sad. he was one of the best Oscar hosts as well. I still remember the joke that he did. It was, it was 2001. It was the year Gladiator came out, and he said a lot of people are talking about violence in the movies, and I agree. I took a 15-year-old boy to see Gladiator, and he cried all the way through it. Plus, he didn't know who I was. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, he said that at the Oscars. It was such a great joke. And you go, fucking hell. So. No, he's great. I mean, I do love him. I do love him. And his um, 30 Rock um, little appearances, yes. very good. That's it, that's it. Because when you see him do something like that, it makes you kind of yearn for yeah, it please some more I remember when he joined Twitter just being really funny on that and things and just mm. being this kind of oh great he's still beacon. it's like I, I, I respect it he doesn't have to do it he's not a performing monkey he doesn't have to do what I want him no. to do no he's, no, he's, he's done he's, enough he's earned, Daniel, yes. he's earned it but then I'd almost rather he didn't make any films <laughs> Yeah, but, that, but I think that he just wants. To, I mean, what was the uh, good year? Was that the one with the, with him, Jack Black, and Owen Wilson oh, uh, doing uh, bird watching? And it's called <laughs> a big year. Uh-huh. And fuck me, that's a boring film. I watched it on the plane, and you go, it's wasted. <laughs> it's a waste of mm. Steve Martin and Owen Wilson's talents. Jack Black's just fine. I love um, a plane. I love a, I, I've just been on a plane, and I never go to the movies anymore, and I'm terrible for not doing it. But um, I watched a. What's her name? Uh, Melissa McCarthy 
um, it's she goes back to college yeah, and yeah, her yeah. daughter's at college and it's the kind of movie that you think if I wasn't on a plane I would be furious yeah. that I'd watch this <laughs> but because I was on a plane I bloody loved it and I was like oh I've got a really nice warm feeling about this did film. you cry? Uh, no, uh, but no, I didn't. But I felt really there was some amazing things about it because there was, you know, they didn't do a love interest. Life of the party, it's called. Life of the party. Thank you very much. Yeah, and um, it's it's not a good film by any measure, but she's very good in it, and um, they did some really nice. It it just felt like it's a very now film because they there were a lot of sort of sexist cliches they could have fallen into that they didn't and it obviously had that sense of bloody hell Hollywood is now going she doesn't have to end up with a guy and the women don't all need to be bitchy and it was about sort of tea, you know girls at college but they're not cows to each other and it's not mm. you know just it was just interesting well, I think that I haven't seen that film but I think there is a value to that that people don't talk about now just to have like there should be enough films that you only really ever need to watch once that you yeah, enjoy yeah, yeah. it doesn't really matter <laughs> not a you, go, you go yeah I'm not going to watch it for the rest of my life, but uh, if you enjoy it, it's like most of these films that we talk about are things that no one really expected people to watch more than once. Yeah, well, comedy is always, I mean, especially sort of, because I loved a rom-com because that was what I was fed as a, you know, as a teenage girl. They go, this is is for you. And there are actually a lot of really good rom-coms that you go, they're never going to be critically acclaimed or or revered or remembered but they were so lovely mm. for you know for me as a mm. as a young person i really enjoyed them yeah I, I mean i love i love romantic comedies but i do think that the people have forgotten how to make them yeah i mean i would say I'd nora say ephron was a great loss when you get to, to when you get something like 27 dresses which is an absolute piece of shit film. i've never seen it fuck me you just like go, what is this and even the hugh grant films that he was making later on mm. you go Nah, these they've got all the ingredients, but it's it's wrong. You know, we're, we're talking about two weeks' notice. We're talking about oh, two weeks' notice was awful. Yeah, but it was like they, they, we got the formula. We got the formula, which is we'll get Hugh Grant plus Andy McDowell plus Julie mm. Roberts plus Sandra Bullock plus Sarah Jessica Parker, and then you get Hugh Grant with an American woman, and that's the formula. And mm. then you go, yeah, but they're shit, aren't they? They're mm. really shit. Can I tell you about my favourite ever film? Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's not, but I'm saying that just for now. Um, <laughs> Gentlemen prefer blondes. Oh, right. oh yeah, yeah. That is such a. That's a movie that again. I think I watched it really late on. I had no interest in it because I sort of thought I knew what it was about. And I had a flatmate who loved it, and it literally saved her life because she was on the verge of taking her own life, and she she went to see it, and it kind of lifted her out of, of, of that moment. And um, so she made me watch it, and uh, I have loved it ever since. I'm I think not it's sure such I've a wonderful that. film. No, it's great. It's oh. a Howard Hawks movie. Yeah, it's made I tons. See, I went to see Bringing Up Baby last week. Mm, fucking hell, amazing. that's yeah. an absolute Cary Grant. Amazing, is fucking incredible. And Catherine Hepburn, but Cary Grant is incredible yeah. in that. Cary Grant, I did. Um, I did. There's a Radio Four program called Great Lives where you go on and you talk about a great life, and um, they asked me to do it. And I always thought, oh, it's you choose who you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. But they phoned me up and they said because I'd done, I'd presented a thing at the Cary Grant Festival in Bristol. They have a Cary Grant Festival every two years, and I done a thing and I love Cary Grant Mm. and so they said would you do it and I was like yeah that's great but what I realised when I came to do it was that I love the films of Cary Grant but I didn't really know much about his life and so I read his autobiography and I thought oh that'll be fine I didn't have much so I was quite busy and I went along to do it and um, uh, Matthew Paris who presents it said oh and uh, you know we've got some guy who's written the uh, biography called Haunted Idol and I was like oh that sounds a bit 
dark. Mm. And um, we started the program. And Matthew Paris went right. So Lucy, as a as a as a female and you know self proclaimed feminist, it's quite interesting that you chose the violent misogynist and wife beater Cary Grant. Absolutely hung out to dry. And I was like, oh my! And I had to stop the recording. I said, listen, I'm really sorry. I only read his autobiography. <laughs> I didn't actually read any biographies. <laughs> I, I like I like to see it from his point of view. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, talk about teaching you a lesson and doing your research. But um, yeah, I love his films. But yeah, by all accounts, a bit of a you know, a, a okay. difficult, a troubled character. Very troubled shall we man. Say. Very troubled man. Uh, uh, We've got to do the game. We've got to do the game. This, this, you might like this, but you might also hate it because it's a quiz entirely based on my own opinion, where you have to say whether the next person <laughs> is better or worse than the person before it. Um, uh, no, I, I Starting like with Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Is Taylor Swift better or worse <gasps> than Kenneth Branagh? Oh, man. What? I mean, he was such a figure of hate when I was like, mm. you know, it, because everyone hated him because he was Should a brilliant like actor, now. but posh. I think, well, I mean, he is a great actor, but I'm going to say Taylor Swift is better. I'm going to say Kenneth Branagh because I don't know much about Taylor okay, Swift. Okay, right, fine. I mean, Taylor Swift is... I don't know. I think Taylor Swift... Oh, we she haven't got time to debate sure. it. Taylor Swift's uh, better than Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Richard Burton. Is Richard Burton better or worse than Taylor Swift? Oh, better. worse. I'm going to say better. No. Again, I don't know. Uh, John Bon Jovi. <laughs> better or like worse? I like Taylor Swift a lot more. <laughs> oh, John Bon Jovi. Didn't Richard Burton? Worse. I mean, yeah, I'd have to say worse. Worse, he is worse, but, yeah. You know, that's nothing Richard Harris, is Richard Harris better or worse than John Bon Jovi? Better. Better, He's yeah, on the wild geese, though. It's, 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 <laughs> Roger Moore, it's Roger Moore coming <laughs> Not up. Not yet, no. Is Morrissey better or worse than Richard Harris? Oh, God, I mean, worse. worse. I would worse, have said better yeah, for sure. most of my life. Is but, Roger yeah. Moore better or worse than Morrissey? <laughs> is Christopher Lee better or oh. worse than Morrissey? Better. Better, he is better. Is Cameron Diaz better or worse than Christopher Lee? Oh. Worse. Oh. Worse, it's Christopher Lee. Come on, I mean, I know, but you know, it's I just feel Lee. like I should she can be... be a high card. Okay, yeah, all right. Bearing yeah. in mind, it's my own opinion. Oh, yeah, well, I think you like Cameron Diaz. I do. Not more than Christopher Lee. But not more no, than no, Christopher actually, Lee. God. Did Dion... you hear him banging on about Hammer <laughs> Dion Warwick. Is Dion Warwick better or worse than Cameron Diaz? Dion Warwick is better than better, almost anyone in the world. Better. And is Tom Hardy better or worse than Dion Warwick? I'm afraid worse. he's worse. I'm worse. Afraid he's he worse. is worse. Yeah. Are you afraid? Despite yeah. playing Nick in that film. <laughs> he's going to win right. an Oscar when he's yeah. me. <laughs> um. What's the score? What was the score? Six. Six. Not a bad score. Not a bad score. Not, not, a, not a great score. I mean, I am very competitive. But well, you share it with Colin Holt, Andy Kindler, Marek Larwood, Richard Sandling, Mark Simmons and David I'm Trent. happy with all that's of them as company, that's not really. So, it's not so great, but it's not oh, so yeah, bad. Oh, yeah. Sam did do badly. Yeah, right. three. Um, John Niven, very good. Very ten. Mm. Um, and we should we should say fingers on buzzers is available everywhere. Everywhere. Just it's there. It's, it's out. It's about. Someone will shout it at you if you're not. <laughs> yeah, fingers it. on buzzers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you manage to download that Noel Edmonds rave song? Oh, it's on the thing. What's it, it called? Candice Cat. Oh my God, he's named it after his sex doll. I'm going to have to put the headphones uh, on yeah. there. Actually. Here we go. Uh, okay, right. Well, thank you for thank listening, you guys. Thank you for coming, Lucy. Oh, thank you for thanks. having us. Thanks pleasure. for coming in, Lucy. Absolute pleasure. Um, it was lovely to chat to you, and we didn't really talk that much, so please come back again another day. <laughs> I um, like some other things. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I felt like we could have talked a lot more. About I felt Noel Edmonds took up a little bit too much yeah, of the yes. time that we had. We should get him in. Yeah. Oh, he'll be in touch. Don't worry about that. He'll be in touch. Uh, punch that like button and hit subscribe. That was fan club. <laughs>
You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.